Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Monday. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We're at 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is in the house. The sun is shining right in his eyes. Uh, good morning, kids. How was the weekend? Oh, it was wonderful. It was, it was a great a weekend. weekend. What a great weekend. Yeah. yeah. Rested. I didn't have Rested. any football this weekend, Randy. I was just kind of... And how did you like that, Kerry? Uh, mixed its, feelings? It has its pros and cons. Okay, yeah, a little mixed I got emotion. a little frustrated watching some football, just thinking about what could have been, what should have been. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I did get to rest, so, yeah. eh, you know. Did you pay you attention get. to any high school games? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I had no desire to. Didn't care. I, I was ho- I was really hoping everybody tied, and you know yeah. it just kind of <laughs> went through chaos. Fun. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot coming your way. Obviously, this is the most dominant sports town in America at the moment, with the Blues just rolling the Avalanche. Uh, oh, your Missouri Tigers, M I Z. There you go. Played really well. Uh, they, wow. they trampled Tennessee. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a lot about that today. Uh, there's also uh, some cardinal stuff that we need to get to during the course of the show. And uh, how'd you like to be paid seventy-six million dollars to not do your job anymore? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, count me in. Count Sign me, me in. Up. Jimbo Fisher. Ooh. You don't it's want unbelievable, me here. isn't it? No, okay. Uh, it's been real. Yeah, it's been fun. Probably and after no, a win. Yeah, and no offset <laughs> language. So he can go anywhere. He could come to Mizzou and be the offensive coordinator at Mizzou, uh, and he'd still get every single penny that's in his contract that's from Texas insane. A&M. insane. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do anything to protect themselves in that contract of any possibility that this wouldn't have worked out? It's amazing. Well, they gave him an extension. Yeah. Four years in. Was it three years in? The other two, two, in two years. I thought it was two yeah. years. Uh, so they hired him in 17 and gave him the extension yeah, in 21, 21 after they finished yeah. fourth in the country. Unbelievable, but good for uh, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, You can watch us on our Arrow Lions team studio cam. You can watch us on the phone as you're driving to work. Uh, No, no, no. Don't don't watch us on the phone while you're driving. Oh, okay. Listen to us on the radio. Yeah, but everybody's got YouTube on their phone. Yeah, but you don't want to, you don't want to you don't want people to drive and be looking okay. down at oh, their true. phone. Oh, true. Good point. Don't do Watching. that. Okay. Airlines uh, Team Studio Cam, <laughs> however, is available there once you, you get to work there you uh, by just uh, searching uh, 101 ESPN STL <laughs> on your YouTube. And you can hear everything that we do on our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Auto Centers after every single show. Just real quick. Did you guys see what happened, too, with Texas A&M at halftime? They presented a $160 million donation, so they're big boosters. So they basically, it was like presenting at (laughs) halftime, we're going to use this money towards firing Jimbo Fisher. He had no idea, but supposedly they made that decision earlier in the week. Whether it was a win or loss, they were going to do that. That's crazy that you also present a check that's like $160 million. What could this be used half towards? Half of this oh. is going. We know where half of this is going <laughs> right, to. Yeah. And their AD, by the way, was an assistant to Mike Alden at Mizzou. Ross Bjork, good guy. He was uh, he was adamant about his stance and his expectations for that program. It is not to be in a bowl game. 
we were we are and were expecting to be one of the top teams in the country and that is the standard and that is the expectation I, my question would be is Texas A&M there are some programs around the country that are just that's just not their, their they have their, no self awareness that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just not their spot in life yeah. that's not where they'll ever be you may have a year or two where you're able to have that success but is it able to be sustained over over years CD last championship 1939 yeah <laughs> I mean I, I don't know <laughs> we expect to win championships every year how 1939 <laughs> <laughs> but you fire this man after a 51 point uh, outing mm-hmm. 51 to 10 and yeah. you say yeah that it doesn't matter we're done. And by the way, the other at least self-aware team, and you're aware, quite aware of them, is Arkansas, right? They're going to fire Sam Pittman. After oh, he, yeah. He was ascending there. They they get guys, and the guys have one bad season, and they get rid of them rather than trying to actually build a program. The frustrations, it's been interesting because I still follow a little bit of everything that's going on with the Razorbacks, and the frustrations are mounting, and I don't think that they are aware whatsoever. I was there for the Brett Bielema firing, and I'm sure a lot of Mizzou fans remember that too because the way it played out, you lose to Mizzou, Arkansas did, and then they fired him on the field, but then they said they didn't really fire him on the field, and they let him do a press conference afterwards. And one thing he said that always stuck out to me is that they expect a quick turnaround, that it's a microwave society. You don't get much time, but then again, that's the way that it is with college coaching now. People wanted to fire Gary Pinkle in his fourth year. 01, 02, 03, they ascend. 04, they have a bad year. People wanted to fire him. Alden stuck with him, and he became Gary Pinkle. Your St. Louis Blues are hot, hot, hot. On Saturday night, they beat Stan Kroenke's Colorado Avalanche by a score of 8-2. to two. They embarrassed the Avalanche. And it was pretty awesome. Just a minute eight into the game, the Blues scored the first goal. Kairou turning it over, trying to clear it out. Then he works his way to get back onto it. And he took it away from Riley Tufty. Cuts to the middle of the ice. Slowed down there by the Avs defense. And the puck comes straight away to the blue line. Krug with a shot. He scores! That puck deflected in front. And found its way in. And the St. Louis Blues, I believe Shen might have had a tip on it. Good eye, Curbs. It was Braden Shen, his third of the year. He scored again at the 18:53 mark. Tory Krug scoring with two seconds left in the period. 3-0 Blues after a period. In the second period, Blues are shorthanded. And you know how bad the Blues special teams have been this year. Mm-hmm. Well, a goal was scored with the Blues shorthanded. And the Avs nearly get the puck back. Pareko there to break it out. And it's shorthanded up ice with Sundquist. Butchnevich to the net. Sundquist to Butchnevich. He scores! Pavel Butchnevich puts in the goal. A shorty for the Blues and a 4-0 lead. 8.08 to go. Second period. And another shorthanded point for Oscar Sundquist on the assist. Okay, now work with me here. The Blues up 4-1 after two periods and more special teams as we are playing 2.49 into the third period. Quickly moves it to Shen on a clean sheet of ice early in the period. Butchnevich, he scores! Power play goal! St. Louis! Pavel Butchnevich puts it in. And the St. Louis Blues with the power play goal make it 5-1. 18.40 to go in the third period. Butchnevich picks up the puck and then goes to the bench with a huge smile on his face. That was 120 into the period. You guys freaking out I'm at this co- point? I'm confused because he said three words that aren't uh-huh. going, haven't gone together. Power play goal. Kind of weird. <laughs> kind of weird. I know. That was that happened? Uh, well, not only did it happen, CD, wow. but it, it happened again. What? 
<laughs> Top of the circle in the Colorado zone on the power play. Cairo behind the net. Holds. Finds Thomas far side. Shen. One-timer. He scores! If you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio. Braden Shen with his fourth career hat trick. And the St. Louis Blues with back-to-back power play goals. No what? way. Wow. Not no one, way. but two. They have one on the season coming into <laughs> wow, that game. They doubled their effort on the year. They did. That's pretty it amazing. Was amazing. So you've got Schenner with a hat trick, and Pavel Butchnevich says, Oh, yeah? Hold my beer. And that's stolen away by Thomas. Butchnevich, shorthanded breakaway. Butchnevich in, shoots, he scores! If you've got another hat, chuck it at your radio. <laughs> it's a hat trick for Pavel Butchnevich, his third career hat trick. And this one tonight, two shorthanded goals and a power play goal. 7-1 to one, St. Louis. 8-2 to two was the final. The Blues out shooting Colorado 42-38. A couple of hat tricks, some great special teams play. 200th career Blues win for Craig Berube. And the, the players seem very enthusiastic about Berube getting win number 200 uh, behind the Blues bench. So all was well with the Blues on Saturday night in Colorado. What were we ever worried about, guys? Yeah. What were we ever about worried about? Because, I mean, after seeing that performance, one, I think that they were powered by the hatred of San Kroenke, which yes, led thank you. to that lopsided victory there. But really, it was everything the Blues had been working towards, especially getting the power play going. And you had breakout games from Pavel Buchnevich, who hadn't scored, what was it, in seven <laughs> games prior to that. Mm-hmm. And then you have your captain who led the way. Both of them getting hat tricks. It's so rare that you even see one in one game now. But to have two was incredible to see. And they were just clicking on all cylinders. I look at the first period and how they were able to really just come out hot and establish things there. And I think that led to it. Jordan Bennington also doing a wonderful job, as he has all season. But the way that he was able to really just control things there in that first period I think is what led to the Blues really being able to get off to that hot start and what did he have 13 saves in just that first period Mm -hmm. right 37 on the night right what he was able to do I think really led the way for them and then the scoring that's what we've been waiting for guys we've been waiting for this all season and maybe Pat Butchnevich just hasn't rounded into form until now well, I think the thing that I saw, again, the effort, the energy, they shot the puck. 42 man. times. They shot it. They actually, they actually, if you one time, they, they, they took shots. They took opportunities. They didn't overpass. They weren't trying to be too perfect. They weren't trying to do everything great. They just did everything the way that they were coached to do, and they won the game in that fashion. And it was a, it was a great win. And so, again, the thing that you, that you have seen from this team is the ability to do that now do it over and over and over again that's your reward you get to play again and you get to show everyone that this is exactly who you are as opposed to a team that goes up and down and I guess I hope this isn't a fight question because I I, I do want to (laughs) know when's the last time the Blues had two hat tricks in a game it's been a while all right. You're not yeah, going to use that? Use no, that I thought that was a little bit too esoteric, and so I was like, eh, let's just, let's, la-. no, it's not on there. It's in 1986, it, it's, That would um, a good question. He didn't know it. Doug Gilmore. <sighs> Come on. And I'm blanking on who the second one is. No, it's, it's a name I, it's a name I, I have never <laughs> okay. seen before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's 86. Okay. Jocelyn Lemieux? No. Uh, no, he wouldn't have been here. If it pops out uh, here, I, I can okay. go find it. Uh, how about your M-I-Z-Z-O-U Tigers? Right. I, will, I will clap my hands for them. 36-7 yeah. over Tennessee on Saturday at Faroe Field in Columbia. Scoreless first quarter in the second. 
Tigers down by a score of 7-3 when the amazing Cody Schrader scored his first touchdown of the day. And it's first and goal for Mizzou at the 7. Schrader, number 7, in for the touchdown. That made it 7 to nothing, or 10-7, uh, to seven rather. Uh, Mevis with a field goal, 13-7 Tigers at the half. Brady Cook with a three-yard run early in the third quarter, and before the third quarter was out, Harrison Nevis with another field goal. Then Mizzou was able to put it away, 6-21 into the fourth. Cook to Burden. To throw, but they do anyway. And it's not only a first down, it's a touchdown to Luther Burden. 21 yards. Mizzou rolls 36-7. They're 8-2 on the season. Cody Schrader becomes the first player in SEC history with 200 rushing yards in a game and 100 yards receiving in a game. Unbelievable. Randy, I will tell you, I I tell you all all this all the time. When you run the ball effectively, eventually the defense gives in. They break, they snap, and that's what Missouri did to to the Tennessee Volunteers. They ran the ball, and and I will – I'm going to talk about him with our things that we loved about the weekend. But the fact that this young man played every snap until they mm-hmm. finally took him out in the end of the fourth quarter, that is absolutely amazing. Cody Schrader did a great job. Brady Cook did a great job extending plays with his legs, picking up crucial third down uh, conversions into first downs when there was no one open. He couldn't find anyone. That's really what broke Tennessee's back is their inability to get off the field on third third down because uh, because Brady Cook was able to extend plays. Um, this was a really good game by Missouri, and it was it was a complete game by Missouri, and they 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 didn't falter, they didn't fail. They turned the ball over early in the first quarter with a with a bad pass or the receiver stopped. It was just a confusion, tip ball, all of those things. But Missouri found a way to win that game and not only win it, but dominate it. And Schrader carried it 35 times and brings to mind one of the great quotes of all time. John McKay was the coach at USC when O.J. Simpson was there and handed the ball to O.J. 35 times. And one of the writers said, aren't you concerned about the number of touches that O.J.'s getting? And McKay said, why? The ball's not heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Cody Schrader deserves all of the praise in the world for what he's done this season and what he did in that game against Tennessee. I feel like you really characterize a performance by what questions were asked prior to the game and what questions were answered after the game. Who was going to win the battle in the trenches? That was a big conversation because Mizzou, was it going to be Mizzou's high potent offense with Cook and with Schrader? Or was it going to be Tennessee who was coming in? It was the number one ranked rush defense in the SEC. And that was answered quickly by Cody yeah. Schrader and Cook and by Eli Drinkwitz. It was a very dominant performance. Guys, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this was probably the best win of the season and maybe during Drinkwitz's career. I agree with you. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is because of the dominant fashion. Think about how Tennessee, the way that they have beaten them the past few years, mm-hmm. and for you to dominate in that performance against them, Tennessee didn't look like look like a ranked team whatsoever. No. Right. And Mizzou now an 11-point favorite over Florida. Saturday night, 6.30 start at Furrow Field, and that's the big ESPN game on Saturday night. Illinois, I-L-L-I-N-I, well, hey. 48-45 overtime win over Indiana. Listen to me. Paddock, John Paddock, the padlock, the 507 padlock. yards. He is it, – it, it leans me to the question, why the hell wasn't he starting to begin the Good season? Question. question. <laughs> what the hell were they doing? They finally figured it out. What the hell were they doing? Isaiah Williams had over two, had 200 yards receiving. He's done a great job his his entire career, though, but the last couple of weeks especially. Um, 
it's a great win by Illinois to, yeah. to be down in that game in the manner in which they were, to be able to come back to win in overtime and to throw for 507 yards for a quarterback that was not the starting quarterback to start the season. All we heard was all we heard all season and all offseason was Luke Altmyer, the transfer from Ole Miss, and here John Paddock comes in and just does what he does. It's a it's a fantastic fantastic win for the Atlanta. Good win in college basketball. SLU built a twenty point lead over Illinois State. Held off the Redbirds eighty seventy one on Saturday night at Chaffetz. Memphis over Mizzou seventy to fifty five after Mizzou led thirty three twenty six at halftime. Got outscored forty two twenty two in the second. Got to clean that up a little bit. And Michigan, by the way, Michigan football without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, winning over Penn State twenty four to fifteen. Michigan threw for sixty yards. And Penn State threw for 74. It was like we went back to the Stone Ages. <laughs> and Kerry loved every second of it. The run the Stone ball, Ages. Man. <laughs> the hell you need to throw that ball for? Right? Just run it. What did, uh, I think McCarthy was 7 of 8 for He had Michigan. like 60-some yards. Yeah, 7 of 8 for 60 yards. He only threw the ball 8 times. Good for him. Yeah. Good for them. It's like Don Shula's Dolphins in the 70s. Guess yeah. what? You hand the ball off. The game goes quicker, <laughs> too. It does, does go quicker. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. actually doing a radio show. So I, I, then I hear music in my headphones and I pick my headphones up. Oh, here we go. Got to do some work here. Uh, yeah, what, what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, what do you got? Number two. I'm going to start with Friendsgiving this weekend. Yesterday, to be specific, kicking off the holiday season. I love Thanksgiving. That's why when we were talking about last week, things about seeing Christmas decorations already getting up. I like to enjoy Thanksgiving because I think it's one of the best holidays, one of the best food holidays. And I feel like Friendsgiving is kind of newer, right? Mm-hmm. Is this like a newer tradition? Yeah, it's four or five years I, I, yeah. that, that I think. I mean, I'll, I don't I'll, think I'll the Pilgrims know. did it. No. no. <laughs> well, I don't think that was friendly. It was unfriendly. No. No. But we, uh, well, anyways, we had a great Friendsgiving. Uh, fantastic food. And you always worry sometimes that there's going to be a couple bad dishes, right? You're already expecting that. No bad dishes. Everything was fantastic. The right sides, there was mashed potatoes, multiple mac and cheeses, including the salt and smoke one, which is always a crowd favorite. Mm -hmm. But I also made my own that was cheddar heavier. Um, Great turkey. Fantastic. So I'm very excited that Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And to kick it off with Friendsgivings, invite me to all your Friendsgiving. Any pies? Yes. What'd you have? Pumpkin pie. Love it. Yes. Well done. Good. My my number two, again, is going to be what I saw from the Missouri Tigers on Saturday, specifically Cody Schrader. I don't know if people truly understand how hard it is to carry the ball 35 times, to catch what it was, four or five passes Mm -hmm. out of the backfield for 100 yards, and to play every single snap. I did not see him come out of the game until the game was over and they finally allowed someone else to come in and get a carry. That was outstanding from a running back perspective. And we talked about him on Friday. You know, what is his future looking like? For me, it looks like he's going to be playing on Sunday. This is a young man that can do everything. 
every facet of the game he's really good in. I'm watching Stiller highlights. He reminds me a little bit of, of a Jalen Warren, a guy like that mm-hmm. that can, you know, maybe not be a number one, but be a solid backup and can do everything, whether it's special teams, running the ball when you need to, pass pro when you got to have it, all of those things that, that a true running back encompasses. He has all of those skills. And I thought he did a fantastic job over the weekend. Good call. I love Cody Schrader's story. Just the fact that you go from D2 to walk-on to scholarship player to captain of the team to now leading rusher in the SEC. I tweeted it out. He deserves all the national attention, which I think he's getting more now because of that dominant performance against Tennessee. Mm -hmm. But he deserves all the praise. And I love that his teammates picked him up, like how they carried (laughs) him off. I thought that that was just – I just think it's spectacular when your, your peers understand, you know, what you've accomplished what you've gone through and what you're doing right now. You know, like you said, to come from a Division II football program to be the SEC leading rusher, mm-hmm. that, that, those things don't happen in that way. Guys, my number two is uh, being over at the factory in Chesterfield on Saturday night for the Down Syndrome Association Trivia Night, raised almost $100,000 for Down Syndrome. And if, if you go to Charity Navigator, St. Louis, every single year is rated as one of the three most philanthropic cities in America. And we always see it. We, we certainly aren't a, a huge market like New York or L.A. or Chicago or even Dallas or Houston or Atlanta. But we raise more money for charities than those cities do. And I'm always so heartened when I get involved with an event to see how generous people are. And people had a great time. By the way, the factory is a great venue if you're ever going to do a trivia night. But it's just great to see people having a good time and contributing to making our society better. And it's one of the great things about living in St. Louis. And thanks to the Down Syndrome Association for having me on Saturday night. Very nice. Nice. Number one. Mine's going to have to be the dominant win by the Blues, guys. 8-2 to two against the Avalanche. We were talking about this season. You always worry about the Avalanche when you're facing off against them. But the fact that they were able to do that in such a dominant fashion and two hat tricks in one game. Spectacular. We were talking about it. You don't have that happen in one game, typically, but to have two. And I'm so excited that Pavel Buchnevich was a part of that. I still think that he is a huge catalyst for the Blues this season. When he gets going, so do the Blues. Remember Robert Thomas said that to us last week mm-hmm. when we asked about him because Pavel was so upset with his performance recently and I just like how candid he is and how he really holds himself accountable and he showed up in this game and I think this will really jumpstart the Blues in a good way. For me it was uh, just the ability to relax and rest on a weekend. <laughs> First time long time and I uh, you know, uh, the reasons behind it, obviously not great. We wanted to be playing in the playoffs, but to have an opportunity to just sit back, not have much. I got I got some work done at the house, got some things that I needed to take care of done that you normally don't get to do because you're you're scrambling, running around, whether you're playing Friday night or Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. You just don't get those things done. So I had I had time to get some some work around the house done. Awesome. It's good. That's nice. Guys, my number one, uh, we all love feel-good stories. And there may be one unfolding in the Twin Cities with Joshua Dobbs getting traded to the Vikings and with having no practice with uh, their team. He leads them to a win in his first game. And then yesterday gets his first start with the Vikings, 23 of 34 for 268 and a touchdown and leads them to a win over New Orleans. And they love him. His teammates love him. He's a mature guy. And he's a guy that has been knocking at the door, waiting for an opportunity opportunity and just hasn't gotten it 
and it looks and I always liked him at Tennessee. I always mm-hmm. thought he was going to be a good NFL quarterback. He is he may be the essence of being in the right place at the right time finally and I'm glad he's getting his chance. And, and guess what? He's doing this without one of the best receivers in the league he is. being yes. out. I mean when when Justin Jefferson comes back from this uh was the ankle or ham, hamstring injury, uh, it's going to be intriguing to see how well they connect, how well they mesh. And you may be looking at a Minnesota team that says you know what, maybe we don't have to go and draft a quarterback early in the first round in next year's draft. Maybe we actually have a guy, again, he's been a journeyman, but Kirk Cousins is not much different than than he is in terms of ability and arm talent and the, 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 the football acumen that they both have. It's a really good place for Joshua Dobbs, and if you are going to move on from Kirk Cousins, which I think they had plans on doing, mm-hmm. you got a, a reasonable substitute that is not going to cost you nearly as much. That would be crazy if he doesn't get a full-time starting job. I think it would be a huge miss by the Vikings if they do not keep him there. I'm also surprised, guys, that nobody picked Drinkwitz icing the Tennessee kicker as their favorite moment. I was was expecting somebody to say it because that was hilarious. Yeah. Sad for Tennessee, but hilarious nonetheless. Yeah, pretty fun. (laughs) That's what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, four downs from the NFL on the opening drive with Brooke, Kerry, and Randy on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for four downs from the NFL. First down. Brooke, what do you got? CJ Stroud is a superstar. We've been talking a lot about him, but this past weekend, he outburrowed Burrow. Huh. That's really what happened there. I mean, Stroud going 23 for 39 for 356 yards and a touchdown, adding another on the ground. That is Stroud's fourth 300-yard game already this season. And early in the second half, he's become the fourth quarterback in league history to throw for 2,500 yards in his first nine games, joining the likes of Justin Herbert, Andrew Luck, and Cam Newton. Guys, I've been singing C.J. Stroud's praises all year, and rightfully so. I know that I mentioned him being Offensive Rookie of the Year, but is it time that we start talking about him in the MVP race? I think you have to. They're in the playoff race, and he's got to be in there, right? He does, and I think that, you know, it's amazing to watch this team perform it the way that they do. They're one game out of first place in their division behind Mm -hmm. the Jacksonville Jaguars who got thumped over the weekend. They have already beaten the Jaguars head-to-head in Jacksonville. You could be looking at a Tennessee team that could potentially win the division and be playing in the playoffs, which is absolutely absurd to me because 
they had the number two and number three picks overall last season, last draft. And so I, I'm I'm looking at an organization that should not be where they are, but this is an cl- a clear example of picking the right quarterback, mm-hmm. getting the right guy under center at that position can really change the trajectory of your entire organization, your entire franchise for one season and for the future. And right now, C.J. Stroud is doing that. You go into Cincinnati, you play that game the way that they did, where the ability to come back and put together a drive again to finish the game off in the way that he's done a couple of times this year. He is he is spectacular. And and the couple of games that they lost, remember they lost to Atlanta on a late field goal. They mm-hmm. could be, you know, they could have, you know, six or seven wins right now and be in a better spot than they are, but they are a really good football team. D'Amico Ryan's doing a great job as their head coach, yes, too. Yeah. And they had he had that late game interception, but the way that he is able to bounce back from adversity really shows that. But I mean, the Texans have already won more games this season than they did in any of their last three years. I think that he deserves to be a part of the MVP conversation. I know it's not decided in in November, but in December. So that has to be continued where he has to build off of that. But still, I don't think anybody else is running away with it at this no, point. No, definitely not. Second down. Well, I'm going to be a complete homer here and obviously talk about the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. You have division losses by the Bengals, who we just talked about losing mm-hmm. to the Texans, and the Cincinnati, the uh, the Bengals lost, and then the Baltimore Ravens losing yep. to the Cleveland Browns. The Steelers are sitting there at number two in the division, with a 2-0 and record in the division, with an opportunity to actually win this division, despite being a team that has been outgained in yards the entire season by every team in every game that they've played, they have found a way to win six games. Their defense plays well. They get timely sacks. They get after the quarterback. They make big interceptions when it's needed. And their running game, Randy, I know you're excited about that because mm-hmm. you have one Najee Harris I as do. your running back. <laughs> they are starting to figure out how to run the ball effectively and get gain yards, which was so hard to come by earlier this year. Now, they have played some teams that aren't great. You know, they beat the Titans last week. They beat the Packers this week. Kenny Pickett still, we're still waiting for that breakout type of game. But Mike Tomlin finds a way to win football games over and over and over again. And it is spectacular. He's amazing in the way that he just finds a way to get that team to come away with a victory. And it's not always pretty, but they just win games. Yes. And are, would anybody be surprised if... The, I, I think they will make the playoffs. I, I don't think anybody will be surprised if they make the playoffs, right? No. no. Pretty amazing. They they are they are a really good team, figuring out, figuring out ways to win games. Third down. Well, guys, you know I hate the Cowboys. But if you watch the morning shows, which we always have up on the screens uh, up here on 101 ESPN, you would think that Dak Prescott was A.J. Feely. Uh, (laughs) Dak Prescott was taken in the fourth round of the draft where Jared Goff went first. He's pretty darn good, and Carson Wentz went second. Yesterday, Prescott passed for 400 yards. He has 10 career 400-yard games in his first eight years, tying Dan Marino, Hall of Fame, and Patrick Mahomes, who's going to the Hall of Fame. Pat Prescott now has 33 games with at least three touchdown passes, tied with Brett Favre for the most such games uh, in his first eight seasons and uh, trailing only Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, and Patrick Mahomes. Pretty tall cotton for Dak. 18 games with at least 300 passing yards and uh, three touchdown passes, surpassing Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and Kurt Warner for the third most in his first eight years. Only Mahomes and Marino have more. 
when the Cowboys lose, it's not because of Dak Prescott necessarily. Does he throw a pick here or there? Yes. Does every quarterback throw a pick here or there? Yes. But the guy's 67 and 39 in his career as a starting quarterback with the Cowboys. He's better than A.J. Feely, and he's not the reason the Cowboys lose games when they lose. And oh, by the way, most of the time when Dak Prescott plays, they win. Well, I agree, and and some of the reasons why they have had their struggles, some things, some of it has been defense, some of it has been as great as that offensive line is. They're always hurt. Like they have on paper one of the best offensive lines, and have had one of the best offensive lines probably for the last five years. But they're always injured. Somebody is. So there are a lot of factors that go into what Dak Prescott does or does not do. But yesterday, he showed up and showed out, and that's, I think, what Jerry Jones and all Cowboy fans have as their expectation for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Fourth down. And guys, as we end here, let's talk about endings. Five teams, Arizona, Cleveland, Detroit, Houston, and Seattle, had game-winning field goals with no time left yesterday. That is the most game-winning scores with no time remaining in regulation in a single week in NFL history. The parity in this league is absolutely bananas. Kyler Murray leading a game-winning drive at the end. Deshaun Watson coming back and leading a game-winning drive at the end. Uh, By the way, against the Baltimore defense, Mm -hmm. no surprise that Detroit did it. No surprise at this point that Houston did it. Seattle did it, too. And they got the ball back with, uh, I think, 48 seconds left, and Geno Smith did it. But the the parity in the league is crazy. Yesterday, all the pregame shows were talking about how, well, we have to say now, Baltimore is by far the best team in the league. Well, no, not (laughs) after (laughs) three hours later they aren't anymore. Then they lose. (laughs) The Baltimore Ravens, listen. They have to be one of the most frustrating teams to watch if you're a Baltimore fan. They lost games and they lose games where they're where they're winning, mm-hmm. where they're yeah. winning in the fourth quarter, where they are up and for whatever reason cannot close the door. And John Harbaugh is going to have to look at this defense and figure out what they're not doing well enough, not getting guys on the ground. There was a play where Njoku took a, a defender about 15 yards, just carried him with him. They have to figure out how to close the door because Lamar Jackson does his job. Mm-hmm. And and but the defense going back to last year sometimes just lets him down and they don't finish the job. I agree. I I don't know what it is. I was that's what I was going to ask you is why can't they close the door there? I what have. is and it? They did it last year too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They yeah, they did it. They had those same situations last year where they were up big and just for whatever reason couldn't find a way to finish the game. So pretty frustrating for them. I would be worried about that come playoff time. I think so. Yeah. That's four downs from the NFL. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, time for Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. Get your text in. The Air Comfort Service text line is open, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. All right, kids, we've done this one before, but since Mizzou only has two games left, Florida, where they're an 11-point favorite at home, and Arkansas at the end of the season, they might get Sam Pittman fired if they win that game. Take it or leave it. Mizzou plays in a New Year's Day bowl game. Oh, I'm going to take it now. I'll take it. Yes. 
A hundred percent. I am too. I'm, I'm all you. in. They Did are... we say Tampa? That that one's. I think Orlando is the one that's the favorite right now, but Tampa okay. would be the best one because Tampa is a better city. Tampa is a much better city. <laughs> is yeah. it? Oh yeah. But Tampa. isn't that where Disney World is? Is in no, Orlando? No, that's or, that's forty five minutes away. Oh okay. Uh, Tampa is. But I'm saying like Orlando has that. So yeah, Tampa is one of the best cities in America. Top five. Yeah, it's a great. I town. haven't been in you a really, long time. I'm just saying, yeah. yeah, it's a lot to do in Tampa. I mean, it, you can have yeah. whatever you, your desire, whatever you like. Like in in terms of family things, you can go to Disney World, which is 45 minutes away, mm-hmm. or you can go to Ebor City, which is another place. <laughs> yep. So you enjoy Tampa to your discretion. It, you it's sound a, like Ti with that song where you can have whatever you, you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a wonderful place. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, maybe I have to go there then. Yes. Yes, you should. Yes, you do. On um, New Year's Day. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, obviously, Jim uh, Jimbo, Joe Jimbo got fired down there at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. There have been talks of some people that they were thinking about bringing in. Mike Elko from Duke. Don't think that's a big enough name. Dan Lanning from Oregon. He's probably not leaving. Lane Kiffin, maybe, maybe not. What about the coach that is actually suspended right now and probably not going to be back at his school Ooh. next season in oh. Jim Harbaugh? Ooh. Ooh, that is a good take it one. Juicy. They would go after Jim Harbaugh. I'll take that. Yes, oh, they would. I'm going to take that, too. Yeah, I think that's great. I think they'll go after him. I think he'll go to the NFL. And he won't suffer any other repercussions, Randy, right? They've given away 70-something million to walk away. There is not an NFL organization going to give you that. No, that's true. But would you want to go into that? Hell yeah! I guess so. I wouldn't Money give, for $75 million, I, If you look at that I'm job, yeah. I'm coaching football anyways. <laughs> yeah. What the hell do I care? Yeah, that'd be, that, that's really interesting. They, they'll have to figure out their contracts a little bit better. Hopefully, they'll no, learn from they their mistakes money. or they just don't care. That's they so have wasteful. Money. Didn't you see Johnny Manziel when he was yeah. throwing the money sign? You think that was because he had he obviously didn't have the oil money like he mm-hmm. portrayed. Yeah. By the way, Mizzou flying high right now. Uh, in the ESPN projections, uh, Mark Slabaugh has Mizzou playing Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And on Saturday, December 30th, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Ooh, that's a good one. Kyle Bonagura has Mizzou taking on Tulane. Yeah, I'll take uh, on Tulane. That's not that exciting. <laughs> I would love to be in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I bet yeah, that they get would, a great are, swag bag for those, that one. Those are in the rotation for the CFP. I mean, mm. that, those are big deals. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, a beautiful love story continues oh. to blossom. It is so beautiful. So beautiful. This past weekend... Travis Kelsey was at Taylor Swift's concert. And I know that there's some people out there. Where was the concert at? Buenos Aires. Oh, okay. Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's some people out there. They're like, this isn't real. Maybe some people in this room who don't believe it's real. (laughs) But then some magic happened. And Taylor Swift, during one of her songs this weekend, had this to say. She said, coming home with me. And then when she ran off stage. Karma there is the was, guy in the Chiefs. Coming yes, home. coming yeah. home with me. And then she ran off stage and gave Travis Kelsey a big old kissy kiss. Now, I will admit. Take it or leave it. This is as real as it gets. And her dad I, was there. I, I'll take it. They, her, she now, watched the whole concert smoochy, with her smoochy. dad. I was, I was hesitant <laughs> to believe that this was a real relationship. I thought we were having, you know, being, being played. But. 
the interaction, like when you're holding hands and walking through, that's fine. But the interaction when she j- came off stage and jumped into it, ah, okay, then maybe they're together. So not that I, not that I care. Guys, but watching now what we have watched <laughs> with her sitting with Travis's mom in the, the first game at Arrowhead and seeing him with her dad, take it or leave it, this relationship has been going on for far longer than oh, we know. I'm going to take it. Uh, this has they, been going they, on they for a while. Know the pair. They're very comfortable with each other's I, parents. I don't know. I think I'll leave that I think when we knew they I think I think we all knew at the same time they well, we're together yeah we're together okay so yeah but they're together now <laughs> they are yeah. there you go CD's so happy about this <laughs> oh, yeah. it's the best it's the best all right. awesome. <laughs> Matthew what do we got on the text line today is the text line working? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to throw one of mine out, actually, because uh, it just came down that Mississippi State has fired Coach Zach Arnett. Take it or leave it. You can't think of another game where both coaches got the pink slip afterwards. Oh, you know what? He was so good in 30 Rock. No, I don't think. <laughs> Dr. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that that's yeah, that, That's Will Arnett, I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought he was Dr. Spichemin. So both head coaches from this 51-10 drubbing over the that's weekend amazing, have now actually. been fired within a 48-hour window. That's actually amazing. I don't I think it's ever happened. I would have to agree. Maybe in the NFL with two teams that, that one, yeah. you know, yeah. so what do they call it, Black what's Monday? Take it or leave it? What am I taking? Take it or leave it. You've never seen a game get two, get, get oh, two coaches being yeah. slipped yeah. in yeah. the I'll, same week. Not, I'll in, I'll the, not in mid-season. Or no. Not, no. no. I'll take it. I think he was probably, after Mike Leach died, he was probably an interim all along. Mm. They were both kind of, yeah, they were both just kind of filling spots in the last, <laughs> the last few weeks. <laughs> take it or leave it. Uh, Super Bowl, what is this, 63? Is that the year we're on? Is it, no, I think we're 53? on. 53? Si- it ain't 63, 60. that's 20. 53. From 53? No, no, 57 maybe? 57. Oh, and sorry, this is 58. I can't read Roman numerals anymore. I used to have that ability. Sorry. Yeah. So I think it or leave it. Super Bowl 58, Detroit Lions versus Cleveland Browns. Start hoarding food and water. The apocalypse is near. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, oh listen. Yep, in Vegas. <laughs> oh, God. Who, who would have thought that 10 years ago? <laughs> Listen, if that's the case, <laughs> seven years after the Cubs won the World that, Series, that would be uh, that'd be a worry. That'd be a problem. Last, Problematic. Last Browns championship, nineteen sixty-three. Last Lions championship, nineteen fifty-seven. Well, and uh, in those years, Vegas wasn't even a thing. Yeah, according to this place in this studio, we don't consider that football, Randy. Oh, that's true. One Good of point. us, one of us <laughs> doesn't. Not, yeah, not what happened. Not, it's not rude. Was yeah. it 1965 or 1968? 1967 is yeah. when, when football happens? started. That's when the Super Bowl's first held. Yeah, football started according to football football started. That's how it's, football goes. It's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. It's amazing how they're doing anything before uh, that. Teams in the NFL that, you know, because we had the good fortune of having our team in the Super Bowl a couple times. Cardinal fans have not. Lions have not. Uh, Jaguars have not. The Dolphins haven't been in a Super Bowl since 1984. Uh, The Browns have never been in a Super Bowl. Dallas hasn't been in one since 1995. Minnesota hasn't been in a Super Bowl since 1977, and they've never won one. Houston has never been in a Super Bowl. Uh, Cincinnati has never won in a Super Bowl. Last time they were in was, well, they lost a couple of years ago to the to the Rams. Uh, Buffalo has never won a Super Bowl. Uh, the Raiders haven't won since the 80s. Uh, the the Chargers have never won a Super Bowl. The Jets haven't won since 1969. The Titans. Uh, it, the Titans have never won. The Commanders <laughs> haven't won <laughs> since 1991. The, the Falcons have never won a Super <laughs> Bowl. It's amazing to me how many franchises. Uh, Bears haven't won since 85. Uh, it, uh, the Panthers have never, never won one. About half the league has never won a Super Bowl, and about a quarter of the league has never even been in one. That's crazy. Yeah. It's hard, man. It's hard to win championships. It's hard to 
you know, be consistent and, and be playoff contenders year after year and have yourself give yourself a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Speaking of which, take it or leave it, Vikings go 10-7 and seven and make the playoffs with their new superstar, Josh Dobbs. Hottest Ooh, team in the league. freaking Let's game he had. Uh, six you know and crazy. four right That now. running touchdown was sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take, take it, too. I'm all on the Dobbs uh, train at this at, point. Say, at, at Justin Denver, Jefferson is not back yet. So At Denver next Sunday night. Oh, that's oh, a win. Yeah. Uh, seven and four. Mm-hmm. Chicago at home. Oh, eight the Mighty four. Bears. Win. you got to watch at for that At Raiders. Win. Should be a win. Okay. Uh, eight and four, uh, nine and four at Cincinnati loss. Uh, that's five losses. Detroit at home. That's going to be a big game. Mm-hmm. And and depending on what Detroit looks like over the next few weeks, they uh, well they got the Bears, Packers, and Saints. Those are that's, they that's got the Christmas Bears, Eve. Packers, Saints, Bears. They'll they'll and Broncos. <laughs> then the Packers and at Detroit. So yeah, they uh, ten and seven looks very doable for the Vikings. I agree. I'll take it. Because why not? I love I love Josh Dobbs. I will I say it. Yeah. I wish that the Titans would have kept him. Me too. Would have been a great Tennessee story. It would have been. Take it or leave it. If you're one of the teams that's lost to Iowa who has scored a combined 42 points, you should be automatically fired. Uh, the coach should? Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. What the hell? <laughs> I, you talk about going back to the 60s. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> football. Big Ten football. Look, this Illinois is keeping us around, man. All the, all the passing we're doing with 500 yards. Michigan, Penn State, <laughs> Iowa. Forget about it. Now don't even worry about it. We don't need to pass the ball. Receivers are, are you know, non-existent. Fair enough. Take it or leave it. Cody Schrader should be but won't be the SEC Player of the Year. Oh, there's a there's a quarterback in LSU. I know that um, might win the Heisman. What has he done? <laughs> he, he's Name he, me one he game only, where he set a record. He only set a record last game with oh. 600 total yards, Name me 200 a rushing, one. and 300 plus uh, passing. Yeah, he's a he's probably a lock for that. If Cody Schrader could throw the ball. If they allowed him to throw the ball, he'd be he could. There do you that. go. He Maybe could do you that. can add that to the list. Should yeah. he be in the Heisman conversation? That's a very good question. Jaden Daniels. No. no. <laughs> okay. No, Cody Schrader. Cody. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, right now you got Penix from Washington. You got mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels from from LSU. He's the leading rusher. I'm trying in power to think five. of who else off the top of my head. McCarthy, who is yeah, but that last game didn't, That last game didn't yeah. give me seventy yards. Yeah, that, that, that's not something you look at and say, "Oh yeah, I, I want." So, like, like six for seven though. Yeah, Williams and Shadur have fallen <laughs> off. Yeah, I agree. Both of them. I mean, oh, uh, Bo, Bo Nix jumped up. Uh, I think. I think he I still. Don't, I think he jumped up to the, the odds end favorite in in Vegas right now over the weekend. Bo Nix doesn't doesn't. It's just, I think he's a good quarterback. I, I just, the, when I hear Bo Nix, I think of Auburn. I don't think well, of Oregon for some reason. Like, I can only see him in Auburn uniform. It doesn't feel the same. Schrader is now seventh in the country in rushing with 1,124 yards. Uh, yeah. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Mizzou is the second highest ranked two-loss team to Oregon State. How high should they go? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. And here's Schrader. And his longest. 
greatest reception of the year was earlier. It might be topped right here. And it's first and goal for Mizzou at the seven. Schrader, number seven, in for the touchdown. We'll just give it to seven and see if he can go the distance. Maybe he can. Cody Schrader. I was going to say, I trust number seven. We're talking about the best player in college football who's done more for his football team than anybody else. He's the leading rusher in the SEC. When's the last time the leading rusher in the SEC on a top 10 team wasn't considered for the Heisman? 2023. That is the head coach of your Missouri Tigers, Eli Drinkwitz. That's Kerry Davis. Talking about how no offense. Cody Schrader has no chance of being considered for the Heisman Trophy. Oh, uh, no offense. I say it with all due respect, mm-hmm. uh, but there are, there are. It's really a quarterback award at this point. I mean, unless you have yeah. one of those spectacular two thousand or eighteen hundred yard seasons and twenty five touchdowns, something like that. Cody Schrader has been playing outstanding. He is really the catalyst that gets that offense going. And we talk about Luther Burden, we talk about Brady Cook, and how well they have been connecting. But this team runs through Cody Schrader, and he's done a fantastic job. Um, but just not quite good enough, I don't believe, to be in the Heisman conversation. And he is all about the team. At 8-2, yep. and two, Mizzou, the second highest ranked two-loss team. Oregon State is the one in the AP poll. ESPN college football playoff expert Heather Dinich thinks that the CFP, when they come out with their new rankings tomorrow, will have Mizzou as the highest ranked two-loss team. And if they win out, uh, they should they be ranked higher than a three-loss LSU, whom they lost to, or, and, or, fellow two-loss SEC team Ole Miss. M- Ole Miss's losses to Alabama and Georgia, and they'll be playing for the SEC championship. By the way, how are we going to cover all of this in 60 seconds? I don't, I don't know. Oh. Did we set our timer? Because we <laughs> had a, Brooke had a, uh, uh, somebody tweeted her that we're going to only get Mizzou 60. That time's up. All right. No, oh, okay. no. Next topic. <laughs> Yeah, we, we only talk about Mizzou 60 seconds, so we really have gone over oh, well that over. number today. You guys watching a good show? I'm, I'm over it. Movies this weekend. To the next. <laughs> well, to answer your question, Randy, here's the thing. I think with LSU looking at their three losses against Georgia, Alabama, and Florida State, mm-hmm. I think that they are rightfully in the position they should be. Now, Mizzou definitely deserves a lot of credit, but I think that according to some of the projections, what are they at right now? I think 11 or 12th, and that would make them the highest two-loss team. I think that that's the right position for Mizzou at this moment. And I'm just being realistic. Yeah. They definitely deserve all the credit in the world, but realistically, <laughs> I think that that's the position that they should be in. Even if if LSU wins out the rest of the way, they'll have three losses. And yeah. despite the win over Mizzou, and by the way, it, it, Mizzou should have won the game. And mm-hmm. the, the committee does look at type and style of win. A two-loss Mizzou team to LSU and to Georgia, I think that trumps the three-loss LSU. So I agree that they should be ranked higher than LSU. However... With Ole Miss, Ole Miss's losses to Georgia and Alabama, those are the only two losses they have. Now, Mizzou has better wins, but it'll be hard to place Missouri ahead of Ole Miss. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they will be ahead of Ole Miss. I think I'm looking at it from last year. You, your top four probably stay the same. I don't think anybody did anything. Washington is still knocking on the door. Oregon still six, and Texas and Alabama seven and eight. Ole Miss, I mean. Maybe you you they probably stay in the same spot. Penn State will drop back, mm-hmm. and so I think the 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 Tigers will move up potentially 
a couple of spots. They they might be twelve, maybe eleven, mm-hmm. um, depending on what you do with everyone else in front of them. Ole Miss and Penn State both losing, they'll potentially be out of the top ten, or maybe Ole Miss will just drop back one spot. Heather Dinich from ESPN thinks that the reason that Georgia will climb over Ohio State this week to number one is because of Mizzou's win over Tennessee. That uh, she says. Mizzou could now be the committee's top two-loss team. Because Missouri, while having the two losses, has been so impressive in their wins. Mm -hmm. And they've they've done it now against three top 25 teams. An impressive win against K-State, an impressive win against Kentucky on the road, and now an impressive win against Tennessee. If they had beaten Georgia and they were sitting here 9-1, and I think they would be ahead of Oregon. Right. I mean, I think they would mm-hmm. be at number six behind Washington. All of the the undefeated teams would be in front of them. But, you know, you, you, you lost one extra game. And so they are going to be in a really good bowl if they went out, which they should. Uh, if, if they had beaten Florida Georgia and Arkansas left. Yeah, if they had beaten Georgia, they would be getting ready to play in the SEC championship game. There you go. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Oh, they would be. I do think that the LSU loss is definitely something that continues to just – almost hold them back in a lot of national perspective eyes. In Oregon State, I still think that they are probably the best two-loss team. So I can see it being Oregon State, then Mizzou, then Ole Miss, and that kind of breakdown. Yeah, I wonder, from the committee's perspective, if the the Pac-12, which got off to such an incredible start, if they've kind of fallen off a little bit and the SEC has reasserted itself as the best conference, too. Because there's some... and you. In conference play, you're going to beat each other up. But one of the things that the the Pac-12 had going for them early was Colorado. And Colorado isn't what they were. So now, rather than having multiple teams that were off to great starts, you've got Oregon, you've got Washington, you've got Oregon State, right? Is there anybody, any other team that you love? Utah is still, but they are a three-loss team. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Arizona actually is, is... Won a really big. I guess it was a it was a decent game against Colorado. They won on a field goal there, but no. To answer your question, there's not anybody in the in the Pac-12 that you're looking at and saying, "Oh yeah, they they are a stellar team or, or a team worthy of being moved up further." Somebody texted in, "What about an impressive win against K-State when they are looking and breaking yep. down?" Just mentioned that. Yeah, three yeah. wins against. Ranked teams, impressive wins. Uh, Kansas State, Kentucky, Tennessee, all. Uh, great for the Mizzou resume. And unfortunately, the Florida, if they get Florida, and Florida's an 11-point underdog coming into Mizzou Saturday night, but that will not be perceived now as a very impressive win because Florida's not even ranked anymore. Yeah. yeah. And Arkansas. But if you're Mizzou, you just have to do your job because everybody that's a Mizzou fan and knows Mizzou history knows that this Florida game is a game that previous Mizzou additions might have lost. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they have to be sure that they can take care of business. And when you can dominate in the trenches, Brooke, you mentioned this early off the bat, how Missouri dominated in the trenches against a, a Tennessee team that is capable of doing that to other teams. That's what they have to do to go to Florida. They have to have the mindset that we're just going to go in and physically dominate them. And now, and Carrie, you, you watched, 
it looks like they they're feeling it. It looks like both on both sides of the ball mm-hmm. in the trenches, both offensive and defensive lines that Missouri's group of players is feeling it. Yeah, they are they are I mean, they are beating people up up front. And when you can run the ball in the manner in which they did yesterday, uh, Saturday, you can do pretty much anything because it opens up your entire game plan. I, I, the touchdown to Luther Burton, I think everybody on Tennessee's defense thought it was going to be a run to Cody Schrader. Why not? You ran it to him 30-plus times, and then you were able to slip Luther out in the flat for a touchdown. Those are things that come along with being able to, to run the football and really physically imposing your will on your opponent. That, that to me, is what football is, moving a man from point A to point B against his will and doing it over and over and over again, and Missouri did that over the weekend. I agree. I mean, with what Crody Schrader was able to do and with Brady Cook, but I, I want to give so much credit to to Baker's defense mm-hmm. this season, the progression that they've had and what he's been able to do. I think that, I said it earlier, I think this is probably the best win of the Eli Drinkwitz era. The way that they were able to just dominate against Tennessee, a team that has dominated them before in recent years, and you were able to do it in that fashion was fantastic. And I like the icing the kicker. I thought that was a, a kind of funny moment by Eli Drinkwitz and kind of a flex by him. But I thought that that was just such a great performance by Mizzou. And they do deserve a lot more national attention for what they've been able to accomplish this season. One other question. If Mizzou goes 10-2 and two and to a New Year's Day bowl game, does A&M come after Eli? Oh, we that already we got some texts. Yeah. yeah, we got some texts in about that. I don't think so. I don't. I, again, I think Texas A&M is looking for that name, that guy that can can recruit and and bring in the star powered players that they need and and can coach them up. Um, I said Jim Harbaugh earlier. I, I think that would be a good name for them, but I, I don't know where they go. I don't know. I tell you this: if Texas A&M comes knocking, Drink won't be here. He'll be in Texas. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. He's not even listed not, among the not possible. Not against him. Yeah. Nothing against him. Yeah. It's just business. Right. Adam Rittenberg at uh, ESPN has the guys as uh, Mike Elko at Duke, who was the defensive coordinator under Fisher at AM, who's having a great year. Uh, Texas San Antonio coach Jeff Trailer, Oregon coach Dan Lanning, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, Kalen DeBoer at Washington, Sonny Dykes at TCU. Chris Kleeman at Kansas State, and James Franklin at Penn State. Those are the play, the guys that are listed as the top group right now. I can understand the fear, though, because you know how much money Texas A&M has available. Right. And Drinkwitz is from Arkansas, which he would be familiar kind of with that recruiting bed there in Texas and Arkansas, obviously, close to each other. I think that that is a very valid fear because he's new and exciting and young. And when it comes to recruiting, he's done a great job of that in Missouri and actually recruiting locally, too. And the reason that it came up is because you mentioned Blake Baker's name. There's going to be Schools that have much bigger assistant coach budgets that are going to come after Kirby Moore and Blake Baker. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of of opportunities for those guys. There are. Good for them. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and that's today's Fresh Take. Coming up, the Blues with a route of Colorado on Saturday night in Denver. The Lightning in town tomorrow. We're going to talk about it with Chris Kerber next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. The 
St. Louis Blues have won four out of five as the Tampa Bay Lightning visit town tomorrow night. The Blues have played 13 games, and if the playoffs started today, they would be a playoff team. And the further we go along in the season and the Blues are in that playoff hunt, the better it is. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, joins us. He had to uh, take a day off after calling those eight Blues goals on Saturday night. <laughs> Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? I'm a little hoarse, but I'm all right. That's <laughs> what <laughs> we like to hear. That was, that was fun. And uh, I, I want to start with this. Is is Pavel Buchnevich perhaps the engine of this team, uh, uh, a rounded, into-form, healthy Pavel Buchnevich? I, I think that, uh, and I, I believe that Pavel Buchnevich is probably the best all-around player on this team. Uh, kind of like Ryan O'Reilly was when he was here, you know, and – there are guys that are better in certain areas than he is in some aspects of the game. But just in terms of size, his ability to hold on to the puck, his ability to shoot the puck, the fact that he can play power play, play penalty kill, uh, you can have him defend against the other team's top lines, and he is a threat against any other any other line from any other team. I, he he really is. I, You know, I... Craig Berube always liked to call Oscar Sundquist kind of the, uh, you know, the the head of the train, the engine, you know, when he was here that first time. And, and I still think from a physical standpoint, give you everything he got. Uh, Oscar Sundquist still defines the style of play that Craig Berube wants. But just in terms of how he can impact every aspect of this game, a healthy, confident Pavel Buchnevich is is enormous for this team. Curbs, they shot the puck over the weekend. One thing that we've been screaming about, and when you shoot the puck, good things happen. Is that something that they have really taken notice of and, and really made an extra effort to do? Well, there's one caveat to that, Terry. It's get it on net, yes. right? Yeah. So the difference, the difference between the last couple of games and, say, the first six or seven of the year, maybe even eight, is the fact that when they were getting a scoring opportunity, they either weren't taking the shot or they were taking the shot, and it was missing the net or going wide or getting blocked. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now these shots are getting on net, and they're going through. And they took advantage in Colorado of a goaltender that's struggling, of a team that's scuffling, that Colorado was two and four. Colorado won the first six games of the season and then was two and four before that game and now two and five. They're struggling a bit. The Blues did what you need to do. That's take advantage of a team, even if it's supposed to be a top team, that's in one of those kind of ruts. And and they did it by just firing the puck and getting it on net. And that's a, a, a huge step. They know they had only had thirty shots. Well, it was thirty-five actually, but it was they only had more than thirty shots on goal once in their first eight games, and now have done it in four of their last five. So that that tells you where things are going while still being quite stingy defensively. Curbs, obviously the offense stealing the show in that victory, but how key was Jordan Bennington in the game, but also in that first period to help them get off to the hot start? Jordan Bennington is the key to the whole season, in my book. Just the key to the whole season. Uh, it, you're, if you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to make the playoffs because Jordan Bennington is a top 10 goaltender in the league. And, and I firmly believe he could easily be a top five goalie in the league. And especially with the fact that this team is not giving up a lot of second chance opportunities. Uh, I, I think he's had a terrific start, but that first period uh, after the blues scored the first goal, Braden Shen got that first goal at two minutes, 16 seconds in, and then Colorado put a push on and, and they came hard. You, and you could tell that 
They were charged from their coach to, to get the puck to the front of the net, just create havoc in front of the net, and they did. And Jordan Bennington was huge throughout that whole first period, and that gave his team a chance to get the second goal, build on it. And what happens, as you guys know, is even even the good teams, once – once you put the pressure on, it's a different game. Once once Colorado has to chase that game 2 nothing, once they've got to chase it 3-1, it's a totally different game. And if a team is struggling, they start to think, uh-oh, here we go again. And even good teams can snowball the wrong way. And that's exactly what happened in that game. I mean, and, and Jared Bednar just fed it to his team after the game, talking about how embarrassing it was and guys quit on the game. And that's what happens sometimes when you when you pile on and have the goaltending like the Blues did. Hey, Curbs, we are very reactionary here in this studio. As you know, we're, we're talk radio people. <laughs> and we wonder when we, you get off to a slow start and things aren't looking good, we wonder about every coach, and especially in hockey, if they've lost the year. If people haven't seen the video yet at stlblues.com, and the Blues put it on social media, of the way the players reacted after Craig Berube got his 200th win. They were thrilled for him. And you can tell that there's still a, quite a connection between Chief and the team. Randy, I did an interview with uh, Braden Shen for our uh, curbside reaction podcast, you know, that we put up and uh, in there, he was talking about, and I asked him specifically about just the mood of this team and the vibe of this team after 12, 13 games. He said, we're building something. He goes, we, we've got a lot of good things going. There's this, there's that. And when you're around that every day, you see, you, you see it kind of happening. That's why at 500, one game over 500, you're actually thinking, Hey, this team's in a pretty good spot right now because there's still some adjustment going on. The one thing that has been consistent is they, they'll fight for this head coach. Uh, he He's a very good head coach. I, I have not seen, personally myself with the St. Louis Blues, a coach that has brought young players along better than Craig Berube in the last 24 years. Uh, and if there's a guy I think that can definitely bridge this team through this transition, I have zero doubt in my mind that Craig Berube can do it. And I think one of the things that you look at is when they let go of Mike Van Ryan and he became the scapegoat of last season, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And Craig Berube left it up to, I'm sorry, uh, Doug Armstrong left it up to Craig Berube to pick who's going to be his assistant coach. Berube ran that process. And, and he settled in on Mike Weber. And it's not a guy that he had a previous relationship with. Now, Steve Ott did. Steve Ott knew him well. Steve Ott, Mike Weber actually billeted with Steve Ott's parents, right? And, uh, but it, it was through that process. And then they looked at everything they did last year, and they came up with, here's the kind of the system we want to play. Here's how we're going to implement things. Here's what we're going to ask guys to do. And right from day one of training camp, there has been a battle for each other mentality. I asked after, after two or three days of camp, I asked Jake Neighbors about how camp has gone, and he started laughing. He goes, man, it's been a battle already. And that's the way it goes. And, and they're now starting to see some early season fields of success there, and that's because of the head coach. I, I think the, the, the Blues have a terrific head coach, and, and you know what? There's, there's definitely no vibe missed in terms of that locker room in connection with their with their coaching staff. And Curbs, one more thing, and we're talking about great coaches. I, I might have learned more about the sport from a Blues coach from Ken Hitchcock than anybody else. He goes into the Hall of Fame today. He'll have his induction yeah. speech in Toronto. What an incredible hockey mind Ken Hitchcock is. 
Yeah, he really, yeah, not only a hockey mind, and, and he motivated differently than some others, but <laughs> yeah, he sure found did. ways to win, <laughs> you know. And, I mean, listen, the number of times you'd hear a player tell a story of, you know, they were just yelling back at the head coach, and it didn't. Was, okay, here's a story I don't know if you guys heard about. This one's fantastic, all right? Now, I'll, I'll, I'll begin it with this, though. When Doug Armstrong made the decision to change from Davis Payne to Ken Hitchcock. He went into the locker room and he told the players, okay, I now know I have a really good coach. So it's all going to be about you guys. Like if we don't win, it's not about the coach. It's about the players, right? And the Blues don't win a Stanley Cup without the job that Ken Hitchcock did bringing him along in that 2016 conference final run. But like I said, he could motivate in a different way and frustrate the heck out of guys, right? There's a there's a song out there. You guys, the blank you song. Mm-hmm. You know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, we land we we land from Buffalo, right? <laughs> we land from Buffalo into Pittsburgh, and by the time we're we're on the bus, it's like twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning. We're taking the bus to the hotel from the airport, um, and we just had the one bus that game that trip because there was no uh, local TV on that one so it's just us radio guys sitting on that bus somebody started playing that song and then a bunch of the players from the back of the bus like the whole bus are going blank you hitch <laughs> right? I mean, and it was something and guys i was not i was not sitting side by side with ken hitchcock but i guarantee you while some people might have been going i can't believe they're doing this i can't believe what's going on i guarantee you ken hitchcock probably had a Rye smile on his face going, I got him now, boys. We're going to go on a run. You know? And, and he knew that and appreciated it. And it's, that's, that's one thing I did love about him. He, he didn't care. He had a mission, and, and he got the best out of players. Well, and uh, legend has it that one time that year, he, he like you said, he would grate on players. And one time he walked into the room and started talking, and Troy Brower said, why don't you just go away for a few days? <laughs> and, and, and he did. And, and he, just, he didn't bother him for like three days, right? Uh... He did. No, that actually happened. And at one point, I mean, at one point, Ken was barking at Troy on the ice, and Troy skated in front of a bench during a game and said, Hitch, will you shut the blank up? <laughs> and, uh, hey, but listen, you can't, you can't beat, I mean, the fact and the video of this, you, fans got to go back. And, and yeah, sometimes we had to remind ourselves that how many years have passed, right, since some of this stuff happened. But, you know, when, when Elise Butler, who does a terrific job on our social media team, and the Blues had that comeback in Colorado, and she tried, she meant to type in on Twitter, the Blues roar back mm-hmm. in Colorado, like we were down 4-1 or something like that, win the game. Her her computer, her phone, auto-corrected back to Bacon, and that's when all of a sudden roar Bacon became like a huge thing. Like, people were submitting designs for T-shirts, okay? And, and I mean, it was just, it was unreal. So David Brackis... David Backus comes and hit him. He had a neighbor that had a pet pig, right? And so <laughs> David Backus literally shows up to the rink one morning with Piggy Smalls. That was the name of the pig. <laughs> and he, he carries in, he, which if you think about it, roar bacon, the pig's like, uh, I don't consider my insides bacon. It's not till you eat me, right? But, but he goes... But he brings in this bacon, this pig, and this pig's walking around the locker room. He's carrying in the reaction stuff. What well, he carries, and we the, the the team cut videos. He carries the pig into into Ken Hitchcock's office, and you hear him yelling at Baggins. 
Get that thing out of here. And in the meantime, now the pig just starts pooping. And the pig is pooping. And, 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 and you know, like, like pig poop looks like those, just, it's just those little pellets. I mean, and it just, it just, it, it doesn't come out like a dog, right? It just comes out like a machine gun, right? So this pig's little tail lifts up, right? And it's just pooping all over Ken Hitchcock's office. And the, 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 you know, Hitchcock yelling, get that thing out of here. It's just absolute gold. Epic. That's fantastic. It's always good to talk to you. We will see you at the rink tomorrow. All right, guys. Thanks. Have an awesome week. You too. Take care. Uh, Chris Kerber with us on 101 ESPN. Oh and congratulations to Ken Hitchcock. He was one of my favorites because he every single day he would have a dote to, to teach you about hockey. And he, he made me a better hockey fan just because I had the opportunity to, to be around him. Coming up on 101 ESPN, it is the fight. I lost, did I, I lost on Friday, right? So there's a guy coming back? Yeah, Randy. Randy. Yeah. Randy is coming. Oh, Randy. Oh, it's yeah, Randy. Randy. Yeah. Yeah. Randy versus Randy. <laughs> All right, good. We're looking forward to that. The fight next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter for the second day is Randy. Randy, how you doing? Good, good. Not driving today, so I, I, I'm helping you all out. Very good. Go. Very nice. Are you ready to <laughs> take on Randy Carricker again? Uh, do it again. Yeah, let's try this again. All right, here we go. Just counting their time in St. Louis, 1995 to 2015, who led the Rams in interceptions with 26? Is it O.J. Atagwe, Keith Lyle, or Todd Light? Ooh, I'll go with Todd Light. Okay, question number two. There are only two players in Mizzou history with more all-purpose yards than Schrader's 321 on Saturday. Devin West versus Kansas in 98. And which Pinkle-era playmaker? Is it Henry Josie, Jeremy Macklin, or Denario Alexander? Wow, going back here. Um... I'll go with um, I'll go with Alexander. When the Redskins kicker Mark Mosley won the MVP award in 1982, which quarterback who would never win an AP MVP finished second with two votes? Is it Dan Fouts, Ron Jaworski, or Ken Anderson? Mm, can you give me the choices again? Sorry. Dan Fouts, Ron Jaworski, or Ken Anderson? I'll go with Anderson. Which eventual national championship team did Mizzou lose to in the infamous flea kicker game? Was it Nebraska, Colorado, or Texas? Colorado. All right, we'll double check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Randy, how you feel? Oh, you know, that was a little... Not what I was hoping more NFL, but I didn't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Randy, all right, though. Randy, I mean, uh, Rock is is good at that. He uh, <laughs> he tends to know what the listener wants and yeah. goes exact op- the exact opposite. It's pretty amazing. Sure good for him. Randy, say hello to Randy. Randy, good morning. How you doing? 
Good, Randy. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. I was just lamenting right. my uh, fantasy football loss last night. Who'd you lose to? I lost to uh, Grant Francis. Oh, no. I, oh, got, no. Uh, I, I went ahead on the drive in which Seattle won their game. DK Metcalf cut a couple of passes, so I texted Grant, and I said, Oh, I think I got you. And he said, no, I got Devontae Adams going. And I was hoping Devontae Adams would get hurt on the first snap of the game. That's but then he catches like a 42-yard pass oh, no. to beat me. This is a great game for Devontae Adams. So I was with yeah. Bradford Bruns lamenting. Uh, I'm team sorry. Is, uh, I'm doing pretty well you here. you got a good team. Yeah, I'm 7-2. I'm yep. rolling along. All right, Randy. Character. I'm ready. Here we go. <laughs> Just counting their time in St. Louis, 1995 to 2015, who led the Rams in interceptions with 26? 26 as a Ram. A St. Louis Ram. St. Louis Ram. There you go. Um, hmm. One guy who had a lot was O.J. Atagwe. Um, I don't think Janoris in those three years, 12, 13, 14, 15, I don't think that he got to 26. Um, I don't, maybe Keith Lyle. Definitely wasn't uh, one of the early guys, like the early corners, Light or um, Dexter or, oh, you know who it might have been. I'll do the lifeline here. OJ Atagwe, Keith Lyle, Todd Light. I'll go with Atagwe. I was thinking uh, the, the guy Jason who... Jason Seahorn? No, McNeil, the guy who... Oh. Uh, number 47... Uh, who called himself the best cornerback in the league? I don't even know who you're talking Never about. No. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he, the, the, he, he was not the best cornerback. He in was the not the best cornerback oh, in the league. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> shoot. Question number two: There are only two players in Mizzou history with more all-purpose yards than Schrader's 321 on Saturday. Devin West versus Kansas in '98, and which Pinkle era playmaker? It almost had to be Jeremy Macklin. I can't think of anybody else that would have done it because he was returning kicks and punt returns and all of that stuff. So I'll go with Macklin. All right, Randy. When Redskin kicker Mark Mosley won the MVP award in 1982, which quarterback who would never win an AP MVP finished second with two? Oh, excuse me. Finished second by two votes. 1982. Yes. Mosley wins. Uh, okay, so we've got a strike season. We've got, uh, obviously, Joe Thiesman there. Never won an MVP. Changed his name, didn't he? Yeah, he did, so that he could try to win the Heisman. It was Thiesman when he went to Notre Dame, and then <laughs> their marketing department changed it to Thiesman. Um, Pretty good. So, 82, you would have had uh, David Woodley for the Dolphins, and I don't think that was it. I think that's who they played in the Super Bowl that year. Bradshaw was pretty much done by that time. Stabler was pretty much done by that time. Uh, Burt Jones, I don't think, was great. It could have theoretically been Joe Theismann. Um, never won an MVP. Uh, it was not Neil Lomax. I don't think he ever finished second in the MVP. He was the Cardinals quarterback at the time. Um, not Phil Simms. Didn't play enough games. Let me just uh, run through a couple of teams here. Wasn't one of the Cowboys guys. Uh, East, Central, West. We didn't have a North, South, East, West. We just had the East, Central, and West divisions. Um, oh, you know. Oh, this guy never won an MVP. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't Joe Montana. 
Okay. I will go with... This is hard. Um, Oh, you know who I'll go with? I'll go with Warren Moon. I'll go with Warren Moon. I always like those second place MVPs questions. (laughs) (laughs) Those are your favorite, huh? (laughs) Those are fun. (laughs) I'm sorry. Final question. Which eventual national championship team did Mizzou lose to in the infamous flea kicker game? Nebraska. Kick six. Nebraska Cornhuskers, final answer. The Cornhuskers. Kenny, uh, Kenny, 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 uh, Davison? Kenny Davison. Yes. Davison or Davidson? I think D-A-V-I-S-O-N. You're right, there is no D. That's why it's it's always throwing throwing me off because there's there's no D in there. Um, So in today's fight, Randy on the phone came in looking for his second win to try to go to a Hall of Fame round tomorrow on Tuesday. Was he successful or does a week end of rest for Megamind give him enough to take him down? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Randy, on the phone. You lost to Randy in the studio two to nothing today. Uh, good job, Randy. <laughs> Thank you. Good job by you. <laughs> it was a tricky one, like you said. In just their time in St. Louis, 95 to 2015, who led the Rams in interceptions with 26? O.J. Tagway put up 22. In just his St. Louis Rams career, Todd Light had 24. But Keith Lyle had 26 in his St. Louis Rams career, 28 in his total Rams career with two in uh, 94 before they would move. There are only two players in Mizzou history with more all-purpose yards than Traders 321 on Saturday. Devin West versus Kansas in 98. And it was, in fact, Jeremy Macklin who has the biggest one ever. When Redskins kicker Mark Mosley won the MVP award in 1982, which QB, who would never win an AP MVP, finished second by two votes? He was the Pro Football Writers Association MVP that year, but he would never win an AP. It was Dan Fouts who finished mm. two votes behind Mark Mosley. Joe Theismann won the AP MVP in 83. Um, and which eventual national championship team did Mizzou lose to in the infamous flea kicker game, also known as the Kick Six? It was, in fact, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. By the way, a little bit earlier, uh, Doug Gilmore and Mark Hunter were were the last Blues to both have hat-tricks on the same day. The first ones to ever do it, Larry Patey and Tony Curry did it in 1980 in the same game. So there's your three pairings for the Blues. Again, I thought a little bit too out there for the fight. But in today's fight, Randy Carricker, a 2-0 win over Randy. Randy, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thank you. Randy, good job, job, Randy. Which which do you love more? Is it the touchdowns by Vrabel, who's a linebacker, or is it the uh, second place MVP? Both good questions. Uh, I, I always love. I, I always love. Okay, so I retain both good questions. My my Mount Rushmore. Okay. Of great questions? Yeah. Okay, good. Sir. What you got? Okay, uh, second place MVP. Okay. Any, yes. any sport. Nice. Uh, any question about the home run derby? Oh. He hates us. He hates us. <laughs> Those are the worst. Any WNBA question? Okay. Also, oh. Made that mistake. Candace Parker. There you go. Uh, that's, that's the answer. That's, that's my default. Cheryl Swoops. Hmm? Cheryl Swoops. Lisa, Lisa Leslie. Leslie. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I've got a few. Diana Taurasi. There it is. Yeah. yeah. I uh, like anything where he determines, where Rock determines what's considered part of history and what's not dependent on the era yep. and then also another was the division or the division but he didn't specify which division that was oh, a, that, that was, was a, a favorite one. i wasn't yeah. in for that when i was listening in and i was thrilled <laughs> to hear it yeah. a-l-n-o central yeah. 
Central you division. don't remember that question? I can't division. remember what it was specifically. It was a Central it was Division the White Sox question. question. It was, oh, the yeah, White Sox were the answer. It was yes. a Central Division question, yeah. but the the assumption was naturally was Central. Yeah. yeah. God forbid you got to think through 10 teams instead of five. No, it was God a gotcha. It was a gotcha. You got to think through 10 teams instead of five. Now you, you broadened our horizons, Matthew. There you go. Yes. We are. I thought the better for who, who, How does a kicker win MVP? Come on. Oh, he was good, man. He was good. Better we, than Dan Fouts? Well, that year, that they good. won the Super Bowl. Yeah, well. yeah, Randy, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I don't Here. know many kickers that are more valuable than any quarterback in any league at okay. any time. Let me give you something here. This is fun. You Okay, let's just do a quick uh, search of this, okay? Mark Mosley, 1982, and it was a strike season, okay? So not everybody played a lot of games. But he was the MVP because he led in scoring by a substantial margin. There's passing offense and rushing offense, kick and punt returns. Kicking, here we go. He scored uh, in a total of nine games. Where is it? How many points? Oh, here it is. Oh, hell, I don't know. But it, he, he outscored everybody. <laughs> he, was un- he was unbelievable that year. Uh, I love the honesty. The, yeah. the, you, you're looking, you're fine. I don't know. Hell, hell. Yeah. Whatever. Here it is. Scoring. It's supposed to be scoring. Uh, Randy, he missed three extra points. Uh-huh. He missed um, three extra points and he won an MVP. <laughs> how many how many field goals? What was his percentage? He went twenty one he went twenty of twenty one and he went sixteen of nineteen from um extra points. He, he only missed twenty one field goals. And he went twenty it strikes. It was a nine game season. Mm. What year was this? Nineteen eighty two. He went twenty of twenty one from field goals and he went sixteen of nineteen from extra points. He missed more extra yep. points than field goals. And Is if that... you look at their season that year, I, I think of all of their wins, I think he kicked game winning field goals in the final minute for like five of their wins. Yeah, but that's his job. <laughs> well, quarterback's job is to complete passes, isn't it? Yeah. I bet so, you Dan you Fouts had more than twenty one right. completions. Well, that's his job. Yeah. Well, I so I didn't vote. Uh, <laughs> coming up next, who are the real blues? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Top of the circle in the Colorado zone on the power play. Cairo behind the net. Holds. Finds Thomas far side. Shen. One-timer. He scores! If you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio. Braden Shen with his fourth career hat trick. And the St. Louis Blues with back-to-back power play goals. And it's stolen away by Thomas. Butchnevich, shorthanded breakaway. Butchnevich in, shoots, he scores! If you've got another hat, chuck it at your radio. It's a hat trick for Pavel Butchnevich. His third career hat trick. And this one tonight, two shorthanded goals and a power play goal. Special teams are really good. I think, you know, our kill got a couple shorties out of it and, uh, you know, scored a couple big power play goals in the third period. But overall, I thought it was a good team effort. Um, you know, getting to an early start and scoring early, you know, our goaltender was really solid too. That's Chief Craig Bruby after the Blues dominated the Avalanche on Saturday night, an 8-2 victory. The Blues started off 3-4-1 and and in their first eight games averaged 1.75 goals per game. Since that 3-4-1 and start, the Blues have gone 4-1 and and they've averaged 4.4 goals a game. In the streak of five games, they've averaged exactly what the league-leading Vancouver Canucks in scoring average at 4.4 per game. So the question becomes, 
who are the real Blues? Is it the Blues we saw in the first eight games? Is it the Blues we've seen in the last five? Somewhere in between, as Chris Kerber told us, Braden Shen told him, we're building something here. And it was for the first eight games, apparently, early in the season, and they're still building towards something. They are building towards something. I would like to think that this is going to be more indicative of what we're going to see. I don't think they're going to have an eight-goal performance every single night. Why not? Well, that would be a little crazy and hard to do, as much as I would like for it to happen. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know if you see that too often. I don't know if you can expect for two players to have hat tricks every game. (laughs) (sighs) I know. But I still think that there is a lot of positives to take away. And the power play has been a big concern. Special teams, when you look at that, we know that that has been such a big part of the Blues over the years when it comes to their recent success. And for any team, you need to have a good power play. And for them to break through in this game going two for four, and the PK was tremendous, killing three of Colorado's power plays, and they were able to get two shorthanded goals out of that. I think that there's a lot of a lot of positives, and I think that they are growing in the direction. And maybe, just maybe, because I know that another team here in town said that you know you need to have patience. Maybe with the mm-hmm. Blues, we did need to have a little bit more patience with them. Well, I think just the the amount of effort that they played with that they have been playing with is is what they have lacked in the games that they've lost. It's it's the effort, the energy, because you see it some nights, and then on the games that they lose, you're like, who the hell is who? Who the hell are these guys? You're mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. And I think uh, the, the game against the Avalanche was a great game from start to finish. You got a couple of guys getting hat tricks. You got guys shooting pucks. You got a, a team that is shooting, taking more shots than they're than they're facing, which is all of the things that you've been concerned about. Power play. They finally got a goal. They got two of them. They they doubled up their total for the season in one game. And so you're looking at all of the things. And then the defense is still playing extremely well, which was really the main concern last year. So. It, this team may be better than than we've thought, but it's just the consistency that we need to see over and over and over again. Now they're not going to score eight goals a game, as you said, but the consistency that's to play. Said. That's what she said. <laughs> the uh, consistency to play. Randy, <laughs> great <laughs> defense. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> I didn't say it. If they defense. start scoring eight goals a game, I'm not going to be associated with that. <laughs> <laughs> to play a great game in which they have, I, I yeah. think that they are they are trending in the right direction. They are. And they've caught up with Philadelphia for uh, a tie now for 31st in the NHL in power play percentage <laughs> at 7.7. Yeah. So they got that going for them, which is nice. nice. And they do score uh, empty net goals that, or uh, shorthanded goals, which was great to see Butchnevich do that. And the big thing is, and Carrie, you were concerned, and, and the number of shots that they give up is not what we're used to, but they aren't giving up great opportunities. Yeah. Bennington and Hofer are seeing pretty much everything that comes their way, and the Blues are converting now their defensive opportunities into offense, and 42 shots the other night, and I believe in the five-game stretch they have out, except for the loss to Winnipeg, in their four wins in the last five games, they have outshot the opponent at each of those victories. It's amazing. I mean, the things that, I'm sure people listen to what we talk about. They have people in that building that are listening, taking one-timers, getting close in the slot, you're, you're not you're not just shooting, passing the puck around. You're actually shooting it, and and good things tend to happen. And we talked about, I talked to, to with Jamie about it on Friday. One thing about taking one timers is when the puck is passed to you, normally the goalie is sliding over to get back in front. There's a crease, there's a window, there's a spot to to shoot that puck and 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 get it in there before he gets settled in. So it helps. 
and they're doing that. They're making the, the, a conscious decision to take those shots, and if it doesn't go in, at least it's on goal and they get rebounds. So I, I think that they're doing a fantastic. Torpchenko's goal is probably one of the the, the best examples of that because it's a shot on goal and it's lingering, it's just hanging around mm-hmm. the goalie, and you're just pu- pushing, sticking at it, and and pushing it into the net, and so. That's what they need to do, and that's who they need to be. It just really boils down to we've been waiting for these guys to all click together at the same time. There's been moments where maybe one person is doing enough, or we even talked about Jordan Biddington early on in the season. He was the one that was just really driving the Blues, but it couldn't all be on him. You have Tory Crew points in his in three straight games. Juck with a two-point game and now has points in four of five. Robert Thomas with a four-point game, four assists in that game. And then Jordan Biddington, he was so key in that first period with 13 saves. And in the entire game and when they get off to a hot start that's something that it seems to be a big catalyst for them the blues when they've scored first in well, let me see wait here it is when the blues have scored first it, they've won six games so there's something about them getting off to this hot start jordan bennington as curbs was saying was a big part of that and also just controlling the neutral zone because you saw in that jets game they didn't do a good job of that but they were able to do that against the avs and the Blues will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Pre-game here on 101 ESPN, 7 o'clock with the face-off with Curbs and Joey. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Quite a victory for M-I-Z-Z-O-U. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. All right, uh, we we aren't going to get Carrie to say it, but Brooke and uh, and Matthew will. M I Z Z O U. 906 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially cool. licensed Rolex. You don't want Carrie to say, say it there. Ms. Sorry, Zoo. Randy. Can you yeah. give me, can you give me one more? Sorry, just one yes. more. M I Z N Y six. Oh, New Year's Six Bowl game. <laughs> Get on the train, Gary. Let's go. Oh, Come on, man. buddy. They played a great game. Look how happy you are. I'm, I'm so happy. They probably a Missouri Booster real. over there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I do pay them money. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Sort of, kind of. Yep. 906-Sidey <laughs> by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Eli Drinkwitz team now 8-2. and two. They'll take on Florida Saturday night at Faroe Field. And by the way, that game is a 6.30 start, and the Tigers are an 11-point favorite over the Gators. Do, 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 go. do you, uh, Middle Tennessee uses that too, don't they? The do, 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 and it, uh, Florida, they say, go Gators, and you yeah, guys say the go Ra- Raiders, right? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. But we don't exactly do the... Oh, no, because yeah. you aren't Gators. No, okay. no, we aren't. We are the Blue Raiders. If you guys don't remember that I team, do. I saw I they put they put up a good fight against Mizzou. The I best will say, fight of any Tennessee team. I, I sent you guys the graphic that they had, and look, I will always give credit to you know, a team that deserves it. Mizzou has done really well against Tennessee teams, but it was painful to see that graphic <laughs> that I sent you guys this the weekend. Tennessee State champs, yeah, where they put Mizzou? the Tennessee Waltz mm-hmm. and the way that Mizzou has dominated against Tennessee teams this season, and. What can I say? That's, there's schedule. nothing what else, else is, I can who, say. Who else is there? Austin P. They, they didn't so have you you played Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then you played Memphis, and then you played Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and then you played Tennessee, and they waltzed all over yeah. all those Tennessee teams. How is radio in Tennessee today? Uh, probably just insufferable and angry because you have the Titans and 
CD, we talked about the Titans in their O line. Uh, terrible. We don't have to talk about that. There's a reason I didn't bring it up in my four downs, okay? <laughs> and then Tennessee losing in that manner. Not even close. Mizzou just absolutely dominated them in every way. And uh, Eli Drinkwitz was asked, is this the most complete game you've seen from your team? Yeah, there's zero doubt about that. Um, really proud of those guys. You know, a little bit of nerves there uh, when we were settling for field goals, but. Uh, just because I knew how quickly they could score. But uh, you really didn't have to worry about it today, the way our defense was playing. And Mizzou, defensively and offensively, and on special teams, played with somewhat of an edge. I think we all had a little edge to us tonight because of the crowd and the excitement and the energy they brought. Yeah, fourth straight sellout for Mizzou. It's the first time in, like, 40 years that they've sold out four consecutive home games. You, you, we've given a lot of credit to the offense. You know, Cody Schrader, Brady Cook, all of those guys, all of those guys you know, with, with, with good reason. But Missouri's defense holding Jalen Wright to under 100 yards. Three of their losses that the Tennessee Volunteers have had this year, he had under 100 yards, and that was the recipe. They were the number three leading team in rushing in the country. If you could stop them, and, and, and I will give, here's another thing, a 20-play drive for Mizzou, they got a field goal. That's a long drive that to is. start that game yeah. off. And, and and Tennessee only had three plays. They were three and out, and so that offense is sitting on the, on the sideline for a long time. 20 plays for Mizzou, got a field goal. You wanted to score, but Mizzou did a really good job, especially in the first half, of ho- holding on to that football, taking care of, you know, game management taking care of the clock, eating up time, and forcing that Tennessee offense to stand on the sideline and watch. And I still think that this is the best win in the Eli Drinkwitz era, the manner of which that he, they were able to do it. And we talked about it earlier. I think that you just really define what makes this a statement win. So I think that it's the questions that were asked prior to the game and what were answered, the questions answered after the game. We talked about that earlier. The big question was who was going to win the battle in the trenches. And Mizzou absolutely dominated with Cook, with Schrader, all their weapons that they had. And that's a Tennessee defense that going in was the number one ranked rush defense in the SEC. And the fact that they didn't look like it is a testament to Eli Drinkwitz, to Kirby Moore, everything they're building there at Mizzou. And Mizzou also had the the good fortune of being able to play Tennessee at home. Last two years, Mizzou had allowed 66 and 62 to the Volunteers. So finally, Eli is able to get some revenge. Crud, yeah. Yeah, you went from giving up the most points to keeping them to their least amount of points. So that's, that's a pretty good swing right there. Nice job, Bake. Crud, yeah. Better you see, yeah. when you say crud, yeah, you kind of do it yeah. like this. Crud, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, a couple of other you notes to to for you that. on our Rush Hour Reset. Mississippi State fired their coach, Zach Arnett, today. He was in his first year. He replaced Mike Leach after the untimely death of Leach last offseason. So both coaches from the Texas A&M win over Mississippi State on Saturday now have been fired within 48 hours of that game. Might be unheard of, especially after a 51-point outing for for Texas A&M to fire their head coach and say, Mm -hmm. you know what, we'll just eat this 70-plus million dollars and find a new coach, new ball coach. We don't... You know, money is nothing to us. We'll we'll figure it out. They and flaunted that with that check that they brought out at halftime. And they said that they already knew earlier in the week it was going to happen. And I think they purposely, I don't know, maybe this is just me making a conspiracy theory, but you bring out that check at halftime that, what was it, over $100 million, The boosters? Right? Yeah, 160 To maybe like show fans like, look, we're about to, you don't know what's about to happen, but we do, so don't worry. We have this big old check that we're going to show you guys. Everything's fine. I don't think that there's enough money to buy Texas A&M a championship. 
Obviously not. I think they are. They're going to try. They're going to spend money. I mean, they they fired Sumlin, and Sumlin record was essentially the same as Jimbo Fisher's. They they want to win mm-hmm. desperately, but you know it, it's they're unrealistic, aren't they? I think so because when you look at at the the state of Texas. You know UT is going to get the guys, and then you have some of those guys because of the rivalry. They're going to go across the state, and they're going to go to Oklahoma. And now, you know those teams are going to be in the SEC as well. You always have to look at the state school and see where people are going. Now, Texas A&M is a is a good draw. College Station, I've I've gone to a game down there. It is amazing. Like the the fan interaction, they travel well. I've gone to a game. One of my friends coached for Texas A&M for a while. I've gone to a game there. I've gone to a game in Dallas that they played, and they travel well. They are going to show up and show out, but it just feels like it's hard to really get over that hump uh, that they have, and especially in the SEC. It's a tough task to be the LSU's, the Alabamas, the Georgias of the world year in and year out. It starts with recruiting, but then it's then it it, it finishes up with really good coaching and developing. And as much as we talk about Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, those guys are great in recruiting, but they are really great in developing players and really getting them to be the best players that they can be. Just hit me. If you're willing to pay players the most, like A&M is, and you want to compete with and beat these guys, hire Urban Meyer. Yeah. Yeah, that's... At your own risk. Yeah, but if you really want to win, they don't care about anything but win. Clearly. So hire hire Urban Meyer. Uh, One other note for you. By the way, we have Monday Night Football, Bills and Broncos, 6.30 pregame here on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, when Houston kicker Matt Amendola hit the 38-yard field goal on the final play to lift Houston to the 30-27 win over the the Bengals, a better in Florida won $5.5 million on a $500,000 four-leg parlay. He put five hundred grand down on a parlay. And took home $5.5 million. He needed Houston to beat the Bengals. He needed the Texans-Bengals game to go over 44.5. He needed Devin Singletary of the Texans to score a touchdown. And he needed Singletary to go over 51.5 rushing yards. He put $500,000 on that and won 5.5. I would hate to see how many bets he's made like that and not one. Oh, man. <laughs> sure, sure there are more. Yeah. You have De- Devin Singletary, don't you, Brooke, on your team? I think maybe, maybe I not. do. Wow. Let me see. I don't think I do anymore. Oh, okay. oh wait. No, I do. Okay, yes, I do. Yeah. I should have known that. But yes, he... Yeah. So, because Brooke and I made a trade last week and I looked at Devin Singletary and said, no, he sucks. I'm sorry, guys. I, I have such an explosive <laughs> offense. I had Josh Dobbs. Damn. I have um, Keenan Allen. He was great um, yesterday. Yes. Singletary. And who else? Conklin. Did you win? Yes. Good. Terry Against Conklin? Anthony. Irish oh, Conklin. well, Anthony's kind of scuffling He's this year. Has he won a game yet? Uh, I don't know. Anthony, He's won us. one. Let us know. Yeah. He's won one game. Oh, okay. okay. And I Sorry couldn't let that, that happen. Yeah. So. <laughs> there is your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Next up, with Texas A&M having so much money and being on the hunt, should we be worried about them coming after Drinkwitz? It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. We haven't seen Eli Drinkwitz's name associated with the Aggies, but if people start turning Texas A&M down, 
Eli Drinkwitz is going to be the hot name in college football. If he gets his team into a New Year's Six Bowl game, if Mizzou, Mizzou goes 10-2, and two, I have to believe that schools are going to start coming after him with money. Now, when Gary Pinkle was at Mizzou and Michigan came, he said, nope, don't have any interest, didn't even uh, go and talk to them, ultimately. He, he was asked to, but he didn't. But that was a bigger job, and he said, I've got my job here. I don't, I don't know if Eli Drinkwitz's roots are so deep in Columbia right now that if offered a boatload of money, if he would turn it down. I just don't know what his aspirations are. He talks about having the best job in the SEC, but if you get an offer of $95 million, that could change. Yeah, well, yes, and and here's the, the, here's the fortunate thing for Mizzou fans. He's not on the list right now, and whomever the, uh, the, the Texas A&M Aggies go after, it, it, they're going to offer a number that that person will be – it will be hard to refuse. Now, I don't think that – again, I don't think Dan Lanning would leave Oregon for for Texas A&M. <laughs> he got Nike back in them. Mm-hmm. They, they are – there is so much to <laughs> yeah. appreciate in Oregon. Um, going to Texas A&M would, would, in my opinion, be a step back. Now, if you're looking at a coach like uh, Duke, uh, Duke head coach Mike Elko – Maybe he's a person, maybe that, but I don't think that that's a big enough name. But even still, some of these guys are going to use that leverage from Texas A&M to get a better deal where they are so that they can be you know, planted in that place for a while. There's going to be a name that, that we might not be thinking about. You said Urban Meyer before mm-hmm. the break. That's a name that, you know, if you're trying to change your circumstances, he can do that. He's maybe not be a, maybe not a good person, but a hell of a football coach. And I said Jim Harbaugh is a guy that – is probably going to be out of Michigan at some point. Mm-hmm. You're looking for a splash head coach, a guy that has had success at the highest level. Both of those guys have done that. Both of those guys are probably looking for new places to, to coach at. And so it's going to be an intriguing one. I, I don't think that Drink is going to be anywhere on that list. Though. And the buyout for Drink to leave for a school like A&M is a pittance. After December 1st of this year, the number will be $5 million for him to... Oh, that's... Uh, yeah, that's pocket change. That's yeah, like a recruiting... Didn't idea. they spend... You remember when Arch Manning was visiting at... Uh, wait, no, that was Texas. I was thinking, oh. there's a lot of money in Texas in general. Yeah. But you just know that they have the money to do that. And they flaunted that, Texas A&M has. I think that it's interesting, and I understand, because we have gotten text in of people concerned about Eli Drinkwitz going over to Texas A&M. I understand that because of what he's been able to really build over at Mizzou over the years and what he's done recruiting-wise. And, Randy, you mentioned earlier the fourth sellout this season. Schools pay attention to that stuff. I know they don't have a problem getting fans in, but if you look at during the Barry Odom era towards the end there, you definitely see a difference in the fan support, and that's because of the product that's out on the field. People are going to be willing to spend their money to go see a good product, and Eli Drinkwitz has created that over at Mizzou. So I do think... While Texas A&M maybe isn't in the conversation right now, I'm sure a lot of other programs are going to be looking at Eli Drinkwitz and they see that $5 million buyout and they'll say, yeah, why don't we go ahead and poach this guy? Right. And it's incumbent upon Mizzou and the boosters at Mizzou who have stepped up from an NIL standpoint and stepped up from a facility standpoint to make sure that they have that guy in place. And it's been a long time since Missouri lost a coach 
to another school. I, I guess you have to go back to Dan Devine for a football coach to leave Mizzou to take another job. After Devine, it was Al Onofrio and then Warren Powers. He, he was fired and let go. Uh, Woody Woodenhofer, Bob Stull, fired. Uh, Larry Smith didn't leave to go to another school. He just kind of retired. Uh, and then it was Woody, and he retired. So it's been a long time, 40-plus years since... 50 years since Missouri had a coach, football coach leave to join another school. Of course, they have the Frank Haith era oh, in yeah. basketball. Yeah, they had. Well, didn't Quinn Snyder leave? He got fired. Oh, he, he left, all right. Yeah, Gary guess. Link fired him. Oh, was that a good friend. decision? Yeah. Uh, uh, there, was, I, yeah. there was stuff. I, there yeah. was other things. Yeah, there was, there was, there was <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> he was, he was, he was, he was young and experienced, Gary, yeah, all right? Yeah, yeah. clearly. Uh, no, I think I think Missouri is in a is a, is in a good place to continue to build their program, continue to go in the right direction. If you can continue to get the recruits that they have been getting and and get guys to not leave the state and go other places, I think you're in a good position to to have success here. And Just with Eli, I, I don't know if you're a And M. All due respect to Mike Elko, who is the defensive coordinator at A and M. Is that the move that takes you to the next level? They're uh, they're Athletic director said that he thought that they were stuck in neutral. Is is the name Mike Elko going to fire up the Texas A&M and fan base? No. That's why it's going to be a name that we know, an established name. Uh, we had a texter from the 636, why would Jim Harbaugh leave Michigan unless it's for the NFL? There's a lot of money in Texas, mm-hmm. and there is not a team uh, organization in the NFL that will match what he can make in, uh, in, in College Station at Texas A&M. So that would be one reason why – Anybody is on the table because they're going to pay a lot of money. Even if you don't have success, as Jimbo just showed you, you'll get paid to walk away. And at Michigan, they talk a lot. I don't know if they really practice what they preach, but they talk a lot about integrity. You don't have to worry about that at A&M. You never hear A&M and integrity in the same Ohio sentence. State? I mean, uh, yes. Urban Meyer? Yeah. Do you do That's not whatever you need to do, man? Yeah, right. You just get us wins. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll figure the rest out later. Yeah. At Ohio State, Urban Meyer won ninety percent of his games. That'd be pretty good. Urban Meyer and Nick Saban together again, playing against each other every year. That'd be great. I can really see that happening, and it doesn't matter because they have enough money in the world. If you're a head coach, or if you're looking for a job, or you want to get away from whatever program that you're with, wouldn't you be lining up for this job, knowing that even if you get fired? That's the type of money that you're gonna get. Knocking at the door. You need a coach. I got a coach for you. Hey, hey. Yeah. What do you need? How long you need me for? Yep. Win, lose, or draw. I get paid. <laughs> lose or draw. I get paid. <laughs> oh, Side it's the up. opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up as the Cardinals start the off season. What's a happy medium? What would be? a spot where they might be comfortable and we might be happy. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think Cardinals fans would consider a successful offseason. Yamamoto won Nola 2, grade 3, right? But wouldn't we all? Um, I think the Cardinals would consider it a successful offseason if they have three to four durable quality pitchers that they can depend on personally i think if the cardinals get one of the top free agent arms maybe top five a solid middle rotation upgrade and a decent swing man and they add a high leverage relief arm in the bullpen i think that's a successful offseason but really brooke what will tell us if it's successful or not will be the cardinals record in october 
That's Katie Wood joining Brooke Grimsley on The 101 on Sports, which you can watch right now on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and go to 101 ESPN STL, and Brooke and Katie have a great conversation about the Cardinals. What do you think of that? First of all, great job. The show was great. Uh, a lot of great information there, but what do you think of that assessment? I think that what Katie is saying is very fair, and I think that like many fans, I want Yamamoto and I want Aaron Nola, and I want that to be their one and two starters that they go get this offseason, but also, I know that you have to be realistic, and I think that Katie has a great pull. She was just down in those GM meetings, and that's where that interview was from. She was actually, I was able to speak to her before that uh, stomach virus broke mm-hmm, out at good. the GM meetings, and she loved Luckily, was not affected by that. But we were able to really talk about everything that was coming out in the GM meetings, including all the conversations about Yachty. That specifically, too, with the whole difference between payroll and budget. Katie does a fantastic job of breaking that down, which led to what she said there, which is how she thinks the Cardinals will go about this offseason. And she also does believe, and we discussed this in the interview, that one of the starters is going to come via a trade. That seems to be something that is highly likely for the Cardinals to do this offseason. I think that would be the best way to go about it, especially for a team that does not want or has not shown the the uh, the proof that they are willing to spend a ton of money in free agency going out getting one of those top five free agent pitchers and then going out and trading for what would be a, another one or two type of pitcher, I think it would be the best way to go about it for the Cardinals. And when he's, when she's talking about, you know, arms in the bullpen or, or guys, I think they got some guys that they are, I, I, I would hope we get to see them at some point next year, Tink Hintz, Graceffo, McGreevy, so we know who they are. And they got guys that they brought in last year that, that showed up and came out and, you know, have the potential to round out that bullpen. Maybe they are that swing pitcher that she's swing talking man. about, yeah. that swing man that she's talking about. So there are some options here, but it's going to be they, – they have to go spend some money in free agency, get one guy – preferably two, but if not two, then the other one needs to be in be a trade. My opinion, they need to spend big because when people like Edmonds signed here for less, Daryl Kyle came here for less, Edgar Renteria signed a contract here for less money, Scott Rowland turned out $140 million in Philadelphia and took $90 million to come to St. Louis because of the opportunity to win. This is a team that just lost 91 games. If, you, if you're an Aaron Nola and you were in the World Series, but you didn't win it, yeah. or if you're a Sonny Gray and you've never pitched in a World Series, and probably aren't, but if, if you're that guy, or if you're Yamamoto, why are you coming to the States? You're, you're coming over, A, to clean up financially, and B, to win. These guys are going to have so many great options because pitching is, such, is at such a premium. I think it's really unrealistic to think the Cardinals could get two of those guys. Let, maybe one. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult for the Cardinals because they don't have that advantage that was built in before in the Tony Larusa era. My question would be: Are the Cardinals willing to really go after a free agent pitcher if there are multiple suitors? Like, are they willing to outbid two other teams for a guy? I, they haven't shown us that they would in the past. If if, if you got the Dodgers, or well, probably not the Dodgers because they're going to be the money is going to be so high. But if there are a couple of teams that are similar to the Cardinals and, and in need of starting pitcher, and there's one guy that they all have their eyes on, would the Cardinals be willing to match or exceed that number? Here's what I would do if I were the Cardinals. And it may or may not work, but a few years ago, 2015, they offered David Price, Vandy guy, 
187 million over seven years. Mm -hmm. And the Red Sox found out about the offer and they said, we'll give you 217 over seven, but you have to take the offer by the end of business today. Mm -hmm. And he did. And if you're the Cardinals, I think that's the way you need to operate. You have to go to Aaron Nola and say, look, we know you're looking for 230 mil or 230. Uh, You're looking for 210 mil over seven years, 30 million a year. Uh, we'll give you that. We'll give you what you're asking for, but you have to and do it. Ask them at nine in the morning. Say, but you have to answer us by close of business today, because you have to set your limit, right? Set right. your price, just like you're gambling. And if he won't take it, then you move on to the next guy. Yeah, and that's why I asked Katie, what does she think the fans' expectation is for this offseason? And what does she think, realistically, the Cardinals are looking at? Because I think that Cardinals fans were hoping that this would be the season that you outbid people. We've always heard the Cardinals in discussions with big-name players. They are currently, reportedly, in the conversations, and Katie confirmed this as well, that they have been in the conversations with Yamamoto. They have continued conversations with Aaron Nola and his agent. She confirmed that. We know that they can do that, but I think that a lot of people were expecting, and I'm going to put myself in this boat too, that this would be the offseason that they outbid people for those big names. I know that it doesn't exactly always pay off, and they have been willing to spend money in free agency, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't panned out. And I know that that was probably a concern and concern they still have, but you can't let fear lead you to those decisions. And that's what worries me, because this season should garner a different response than what we've seen in previous off-seasons from the Cardinals. But I also think it's it's the responsibility, and we hate the, that word as fans, but it's the responsibility of the organization to be prudent. The Padres are, uh, Peter Seidler's taken out a $50 million loan to cover the payroll that he couldn't cover, the owner of the Padres, because he went overboard. The Mets are cutting their... Uh, payroll by $100 million from last season to this. And of course, you're getting rid of both Scherzer and uh, Verlander, but you're you're paying a lot of that. But they're going to cut by $100 million, their payroll from the start of last season. Franchises have to be prudent in going and getting these guys, but you also have to be smart. And there's going to be some pitchers out there on the market where if you have a really good pitching coach, Cardinals, get Chris Carpenter in your dugout to work with pitchers and taking nothing away from uh, Dusty Springfield. He's great, but just get a, a guy with the cachet of a major, a, a successful major league pitcher in there and do what you used to do with Dave Duncan and resurrect some guys. Get the big name guy, go get your $30 million a year Aaron Nola, but then I'll be more comfortable if I have a guy that's been around resurrecting pitchers that have had difficulty in recent years. And I understand being prudent. Of course, you don't want to go out there and be just crazy with your money. You don't want to be stupid with it. But at the same time, there's something that you can't get past in the fact that Payroll does matter when it comes to success. I told you guys the stat with the Rangers. They were eighth in payroll this year. And only one team has won the World Mm -hmm. Series that was outside the top 14 in payroll since 1995, and that was the 2003 Marlins. So there is a trend, there is a pattern that payroll does matter somewhat to the success. And I know they haven't had success in free agency with some of the picks and the money that they have spent. I'm glad that they're going to keep Wilson Contreras as the catcher moving forward. But I feel like you still have your fans showing up. The fans continue to show up. They want to see something different. One other point we need to make, though, specific to this particular conversation. And, Brooke, you had this stat. The first time I heard it was from you during the season, and it was stunning to me. Before the Cardinals trades last year, 
their starting rotation was the second most mm-hmm. expensive starting rotation in all of baseball. Only the Mets were paying more for their starting pitchers. That was before you traded Flaherty and Montgomery. Uh, but that's shocking that the starting pitching was so bad and they paid so much for it. And that's why I say, and it doesn't have to be Chris Carpenter, I'm just throwing that out there because I love Carp, but I, I do think that uh, Blake Ahern could use some help. Uh, in regards to pitching. <laughs> well, again, good pitchers <laughs> helps. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've told you all time and time again, if I got good players, I look like a hell of a coach. You mm-hmm. know, if you got the better your players are, the better your coaching is. That, that, that Those two things are tied hand in hand. Um, I think one of my, my concerns for the Cardinals, they, they continue to talk about guys that eat up innings. We don't want just guys that eat up innings. We want guys that eat up innings and perform really well. Miles Michaelis ate up a lot of innings last year. He's fourth in, yeah. a, in Major League Baseball in innings pitched. But I wouldn't say that you would re-sign up for a season like he had, nor would he. You want guys that are able to eat up innings, get you that that 190 to 200, 200 plus innings, and win games. Good good innings, not just quality well, innings. And quality let, him, innings. Yes. let him do it. Let Jordan Montgomery do it when you have a guy like that on your staff. Don't take him out in the – we saw him go seven a lot with – Texas once he got over there. It's amazing. Yeah. That so, his arm, I, I thought it was like five and Just died. fly just, off. Yeah, I thought it would be done after <laughs> right. five minutes. Let him do it. So there is a happy medium, I think, for the Cardinals. It'll take some time for us to emotionally reach that point where we say, okay, I'm okay with it. Uh, but I, I don't want them to waste a bunch of, not waste, spend a bunch of money on one guy and then not do anything else, like last offseason when, oh, yes. when they got Contreras. You you can't be in the middle. You've either got to try to go for it, and you don't have to go for it by spending $700 million, but you've, you've got to get more bodies in there that have the ability. And make something happen via trade. You yeah. have plenty of bodies available. When you're talking about bodies mm-hmm. available, you have that, and there's already been reports that there's teams who are desperate for position players, and you have that. That is capital that you should be able to use this offseason to make a big trade. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the Eagles are coming to town. I want to go to this concert. The Eagles are coming to town. Ooh. It's their long goodbye final tour. And they're in town on February 6th, and we're going to uh, provide you an opportunity to win. By the way, it's not only the Eagles, but Steely Dan as well on February 6th at Enterprise Center. So, yeah, let's get uh, let's get some tickets, and let's give some tickets for that. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right. Uh, the Eagles. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about the conversation we were just having. I apologize. Okay. I, because I, I do have, before you do that, yes. because we were talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, uh, right? Yeah. This uh, can uh, only go bad. A.K.A. Uh, Trailer. Trailer. Okay. Yeah, that's Swifty and Tra- Travis and Taylor. The, trailer. I, I think the, the reason why I'm so bothered, and maybe it's not a, a, a hoax anymore, maybe it's a real thing. When they do break up, because we all know that that eventually will happen, because that's what. No, it won't. Famous people do, right? They eventually no. go in their separate not directions. Eastwood? Uh, most of them. Okay. Most of them. Who, who, who gets the. Who gets. 
the, the, the brunt of the blame for this breakup when it he happens. Does. He does. Exactly. There is, there are, it's risk versus reward. Now, T- T- Taylor Swift has never broken up with a guy. Never. It's no, we risk know of. Versus I know reward. she has. She has broken up with a guy. She's Matt broken Healy. up with all of them, didn't she? Uh, Matt Healy from 1975, who she was rumored to be dating. No, she she's supposedly like 30 broke years up old. with him. She could have been dating then. <laughs> 1975. No, that's the name of the band. Oh. It's called the 1975. My man Travis is going to, you know, he's he's going to go through the fire, man. Yeah, I he, think and he'll his be career fine. Is gonna, he's no, going to be on be the fine. tail end of his career at that point. He's not going to be playing at an elite level. Terry, yeah, have, you seen all, have you seen all the advertisements he's been doing? Yeah. And his podcast is exploding. More, more people are buying his jerseys. He is making money bank right now. Did I'm sure. date Harry Styles ever? Uh, yes, because that the, was her uh, song Style is supposedly about yeah, him, so which the, makes sense. He's what, was fine, he? what was the other What's the most famous one that she did? The dated? most famous one? Tears on My Guitar. What was um, the guy? The, 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 Jake the, Gyllenhaal. The, no, 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 no. Oh, John Mayer. Is John that Mayer, who you're thinking yeah. about? That yeah. was, was not her five, most famous not, one, but yeah. I have no Calvin Harris was a controversial one. See here, yeah. Calvin Harris was a big one. The hell is Calvin Harris? And um, that guy, who, well, another actor, Tom something. John Mayer is not the most famous one? Hanks. I, there's a lot of other famous. Not Tom Hanks. <laughs> he's he's married to Rita Hayworth. Check or not Hanks. Rita Hayworth. What am I talking about? <laughs> that's a throwback. <laughs> that was a throwback. I'm sorry. I do love Rita Hayworth, okay. but that's not who he's married to. So anyway, this is a great <laughs> topic. But I also need Rita. you to know that the Eagles, the Eagles have been brilliant. Okay, so they had... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they said they were never going to tour again. They, they would tour when Hell Freezes Over. <laughs> then they did the Hell Freezes Over oh, okay. tour. Then they did Farewell Tour 1 because they knew they were going to do Farewell Tour 1. They did Farewell Tour 2, and now they're doing the long goodbye final tour the Eagles are. <laughs> and we're giving away tickets for this. And they've all been fabulous. The Eagles are awesome in concert. And they've got special guest Steely Dan February 6th at Enterprise Center. Don't miss the tour. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10. Find all the ticket details and a bonus chance to win free tickets for the show right now. Uh, at either 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. i got to get tickets for this. If you're listening and you have access to tickets, I need two. It's Hiddleston. That's youth. who it is. Tom Hiddleston. Yes. Okay. And okay. then Rita Wilson. That, okay, I don't know why go. I said Hayworth. Uh, but I don't know. So how are, we gonna, uh, how are we going to give these tickets away, Matthew? Man, Tom Hiddleston would have been. They would have, they would have made beautiful children. I love Tom Hiddleston. Um, we have a <laughs> trivia question for everybody because I didn't add it to the fight today. I thought I'd come back around Ooh. and add it here for people to win the Eagles tickets. So this is going to be texture number 20 to okay. win these I tickets. I you had a different texture number before. Hmm? I thought you were doing 35. I wanted to do 20 instead. I changed my mind. Okay. Because it works better. Uh, okay. Oh. Okay. The last time that the Blues had two skaters both score hat-tricks in the same game was in 1986. One of them was Doug Gilmore. Who was the other skater who scored a hat trick in that game? The last time before this weekend, the Blues had a pair of skaters score hat tricks in the same game was in 1986. Doug Gilmore scored one of the hat tricks. Who scored the other hat trick for the St. Louis Blues? Texture number 20 wins those tickets to the Eagles and Steely Dan. Hmm. All right. I hope uh, somebody gets it quickly because I've got a fun trivia question. What you got? After we get the answer. Oh. Well, not a, oh, it's a trivia note for oh, you. Oh, okay. Uh, is it is it about second place MVP awards? No, I. No. You know, Mike Lee finished second in the MVP voting in eighty eighty one for the Blues. That, uh, I, have, I have a note. I have a note. By the way, I you told guys you guys in eighty eighty one. By the way, in nineteen eighty. Okay, NHL eighty eighty one. Who would have beat? Somebody. Wayne Gretzky. There you go. Yeah. I, I don't even need to know. I like. <laughs> Good job, brother. I threw out uh, what I thought was the first ever pairing. By the way, they were asking for the question from the second. Uh-huh. The first ever pairing to, to score her, her, uh, hat tricks for the Blues was not Larry Patey and Tony Curry. Dave Barr 
and Kevin Lavalley. Lavalley? Yep. Dave Barr and Kevin Lavalley in 1984 yep. were the first one ever. But to win the tickets, you got to know who was the pairing from the second time they ever did okay. it. Doug Gilmore and who else? We also, in 1995, Rams training camp, had a quarterback from Cal named Dave Barr. Oh, How about that? So oh. you got multiple Dave Bars. I wonder if the Cardinals have had, ever, ever had a Dave Bar on their roster. Hmm. Um, something I, th- I saw over the weekend that I brought up to Randy before the show that I just wanted to kind of relay. Um, our good friend Frank Cusimano uh, oh. during the Mizzou game tweeted out uh, <laughs> that Mizzou was the most compelling sports television in the region this year. And let's just say that uh, there's a certain fan of a certain sport who fan was not base. fan base who was not very happy with Frank's uh, assessment there and there were a lot of people in his mention saying what about city shouldn't oh. St. Louis City be the most compelling thing on sports television this year and honestly I was just going to leave it at that but then the funniest the absolute best part happened Frank then responded to people turned around and he did his entire sports plus last night as a soccer special talked about the steamers Terry Mickler at CBC all these incredible stories his first response on Twitter that that's just way too much soccer talk for me. The second one, I'm sorry, but isn't this a Mizzou town? <laughs> you can't, you can't you win. Never. You can't oh, win. Please, Every, it, this is why you should go about your day <laughs> and not carry about what, not not care about what people have to say, because you will never please everyone. And if that is your goal in life, you are going to fail every single day trying to please everyone. Make sure you're happy. This is some free advice here. I'm not a counselor, but I can. I've been to one. I've seen one on TV. (laughs) (laughs) You go about your day, live the right way. You'll never please everybody. Not even in your own house. How the hell you gonna please everybody outside of it? So, go about your day, man. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Don't stress out. Stress kills. Exactly. Live your best life. And if somebody says Rita Hayworth instead of Rita Wilson, doesn't mean I'm off my game or no, anything like that. It's fine. No, I'm kidding. You know some old school. I mean. Uh, I, I love Rita Brooke. Hayworth. I Listen, think she's beautiful. Yeah. There's like some old icons, Sophia Loren, oh, Rita Hayworth, that are just like some of the most beautiful women ever and great actresses, all that different kind of stuff. Oh, so. Brooke, I, I just think this, is, like this, is a, this is a case of people not maybe knowing who you are. They didn't know that you watch Shawshank Redemption every Sunday night. And so it's just fresh in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, wow, how about that poster? And it's just right in the brain there on Sunday Oopsie. night. That's not your fault. It's Oopsies. a great movie. Don't don't feel bad about that one. No. Um, but yes, to your point, CD, I think that sometimes, too, that people don't understand on social media, the tone of things is different. And so then you project your own thoughts of what you think that person is saying on social media and you react to that when that might not be the case. I don't think oh. Frank meant that as a slight at anybody, well, including City SC. I, I think Frank's it was point. his opinion. Yeah. And therefore, my opinion is... Of my own. But I, I think some people were overreacting to it no, a little bit. So no. yeah. yeah. It would be like on Twitter. It, I know, it's right? It's crazy. It's the exact same reaction when like the Cardinals would be in like the fourth week of the season and blues fans would be like, Why aren't you talking more about the why aren't you talking more about the end of the blue season or the blues playoffs? It's it's the same thing here. College football, soccer, like they're like Come on now, just be realistic. Right. But again, you exactly. can't p- please everybody. Uh, nice, n- nice, nice try, Frank. But yeah. uh, oh well, good try. I watched it was good. Hey, you can watch the whole day here on 101 ESPN on our Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. Just go to YouTube and type in 101 ESPN STL, and please subscribe to the channel too. We'd love to have you be part of Opening Drive Nation. Great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? I did. How yes. about that? How about that? How about that? CD. Show us your face. We want to see your face. We have a balloon party coming up with T Mac and Ajax, and then BK and Ferrario. Uh, I, I think BK might be out today, right? 
Uh, I think our buddy... Uh, is he out? Yeah, I think Bradford Bruns is going to be uh, joining that show today, if I'm I not mistaken. Bradford. He's awesome. He's, He's amazing. Great. Yeah, it really is. Such a hard worker. And then you've got the fast lane coming up between uh, four and... Or two and six. Some, sometimes people leave at four, but not on a hockey day. <laughs> Wow. wow. What? Wow. It Does that not happen? <laughs> I, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> For all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.